Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. Hello, Four Center friends. Welcome to the second episode of Indiana Jones and the Perilous Podcast. This is kind of a other center presentation from us here at Four Center. That's a long sentence and intro. I'm Ken Epps. 
I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and I'm thrilled to be here to talk Indiana Jones. That is right. This has been a lot of fun, and this is only the second episode. The first one was so much fun, an overall look at Indiana Jones, the character, the films, the franchise, the future, the past, all of it, and what it means to us. This is all made possible by you on Patreon, though, after Dial of Destiny, the entire world will get to hear these podcasts, so you might be listening to that uh, under those circumstances. We are going to be focusing today, Joseph, on, uh, well... The film, capital T, capital L, F, that kind of, uh, <laughs> capital F, that got this whole thing started. Uh, it is uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, though, having, uh, you know, you and I competed at some high-level trivia over the last couple of years, that was often a debate. What is the actual title of the movie? Now, what was it then? Indiana Jones and or just the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's our first discussion <laughs> point. But anyways. Joseph, let's look at this wonderful film. Well, we can dig through history to find the truth. That is the true value of, of mm. artifacts, right? Isn't it knowledge? And uh, we can put on our leather jackets and get our whips and get our friends and look on Wikipedia and find out the answer to this question. <laughs> <laughs> that it was Raiders of the Lost Ark for an extremely long time uh, yeah. before a lot of the, the rebranding. To have it, uh, so so if, if you were uh, alive and about in 1981 and you went to the movie theater and uh, you listened to Siskel and Ebert, uh, this was Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Yeah, yeah, and just our whole lives, and I'm I know we're not alone in this, our whole lives just said Raiders, that's all you needed, right? To know. Yeah, and I, I have, isn't there a football team uh, called Raiders? There is the Las Vegas Raiders now, yeah. But yes, yeah, so I've had lots of experiences in my life where I, like my ears perk up because somebody's talking about Raiders and I'm like, ooh, like Indiana. Oh, no football. OK, fair enough. All the, all the respect. Yeah, all the respect. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I, I think their logo should just be uh, Indy just on the side of their helmets. They have a pirate now. Maybe just Indy. <laughs> yeah, I do love that these two films, obviously, this is not Raiders of the Lost Ark is not just George Lucas's film, but intimately uh tied to him he has the original idea uh intimately tied to star wars i love that if you want to be pedantic uh you need to use both titles for raiders lost ark uh, indiana jones and the raiders lost ark but of, of course originally raiders lost ark uh and the same thing with uh well you know a new hope i, I know it wasn't a new hope when it was released 19, you know, uh, they both uh invite that pedantic self-correction to make sure that no one corrects you about the title yeah, generational change in the titles alone. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, Ken, let's dive into discussing this film. I'm sure uh, we'll both have lots to say. Uh, this is, of course, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Later, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I got it right in my notes. Uh, released in June of 1981. One hour and 55 minutes of action, comedy, romance, mayhem, and thought a story by george lucas and philip kaufman is the credit screenplay by lawrence kasdan directed by you know steven spielberg uh mm -hmm. we always like to talk when, when we're discussing the new star wars films that are coming out the kind of prep that we did to watch the episode uh, we do that with our star wars reviews partially to just really uh, remind ourselves and all of our our listeners that we're watching as fans as well as putting on the uh, analysis hat uh, this was kind of a different um, process to sit down and watch this because I think it, this is such a film that lives 
in culture. So many uh, famous lines, famous moments, famous scenes. It's a film that's lived in both of our lives for years and years. What was it like for you? What prep did you do to sit down and watch this as both a fan and putting on your your dusty, beat up old analysis hat. It was it was an interesting experience, and I, you know, had we making my notes and stuff, and, and and have a little bit of the format of what we might be talking about. And I was like, I don't, I'm not really prepping for this. I'm just putting on Raiders. But then I realized now I got to watch it in a way that I haven't really watched it uh, before, uh, and that was a kind of uh, fun and exciting and a bit of a challenge, right? Like these scenes that I've lived with my entire life this is clearly one of my favorite films so it's like yeah i i know i know i know i know the scene but to go like well no, let me <laughs> let me pull back and and then dive it in uh you and i were talking off air and we'll probably mention this again there's surprisingly less about the making of these movies there's stuff out there there's books there's all those kind of things out there yes but if you look over at star wars uh it's it's a little different feel right where Mm-hmm. Every little corner has a dock, which I want more, right? Give me two docks when there's only one on Star Wars. Uh, I feel there still needs to be the, I don't know, the quintessential six-part series on Indiana Jones. I don't know. Maybe we'll get it one day. <laughs> so I was diving into it like I haven't uh, before in terms of like themes and people's thoughts on the films and and some of it really insightful. Some of it I thought slightly, well, yes, but unfair for the movie. <laughs> like there's, mm-hmm. there's barbs tossed at it. Um, a lot of it's about the time. We're going to talk about some things that uh, uh, work, but still are of its time. That little come a little bit later in our discussion. But it was it was overall a short answer to 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 your question. It was a fun challenge to see Indy in a new light. Yeah. Did you sit down in like? Did you pick a specific time? Did you watch it like a movie night? Did you watch it on your computer, subtitles up? Uh, you know, a notepad in hand. <laughs> that's also historic uh, we don't actually have physical notepads anymore uh, uh when we watch movies at least i don't uh but what was it like was it was it really like dim the lights popcorn movie night or was it more like i'm gonna pause i'm gonna write down notes it was an assignment yeah and that sounds real drab doesn't it an assignment no i sat down with the laptop open and paused every now and then paused to make sure i got some names right that's a thing too I've known all these names, known all the, a lot of the actors who play them, but I, you know, again, it's not Star Wars. I haven't been in an Indiana Jones trivia match, you know, <laughs> and, and it's weird. It's like, it's, it's like, I think I know that name. Oh yeah. Let me look it up. So it was a lot of that. Uh, I wish though, I did have the, the, the MacBook open. I wish I had, I have like a little, uh, those little books um, that Indy has with the, you know, you can make your notes in it in the field, mm. little field notebooks. I should have just pulled one of those out, all crinkly and dirty, pull a little <laughs> band off the books and open it up. That would have been fun. Well, now I have an assignment before <laughs> we, uh, a, a, an assignment of capitalism before we do our Temple of Doom review. I got to get my little, my little notebook. Yeah, I, I had such an interesting mix of watching it like it's a movie night. My intent was to just, I just want to watch it. I just want to let it wash over me and then, you know, I'll make notes or I'll, you know, pause it if I need to. Uh, my wife was working late on a Thursday afternoon and uh, I, I, or Thursday afternoon into evening. And I uh, poured myself a, a little whiskey and uh, I couldn't stop myself. I got so involved in the ideas of it and wanting to uh, rewind and write down and compare and contrast that I, I ended up uh, watching it over, you know, a four hour period, this <laughs> two hour film. Uh, and that was really, really it ended up being really, really fun, uh, but it made me feel like, man, I wish I had time to just watch it again and let it wash over me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I also had a couple of other uh, sort of adjacent experiences to watching it for this discussion. Uh, I got a new Blu-ray box set that actually has, I believe, the uh, special features from a DVD box set I used to have that came out mm-hmm. in 2008 in support of that new film of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And that does have a decent amount of uh, behind the scenes. It's got an hour long mm-hmm. documentary about Raiders which some of it is this this stuff that has passed into legend uh, mm-hmm. about Lucas and Spielberg at the beach uh, right. hiding from <laughs> the, the potential pain of Star Wars numbers. And I mm-hmm. want to do James Bond. I got something better. All that kind of stuff. Uh, but it, it, it reminds you of Spielberg's place uh, at the time that, that he was a little bit of a bad bet because 1941 had been yeah. a, a flop and that a lot of his films had been over time and over budget and that. that Mm-hmm. Uh, injected this Indiana Jones spirit to it of like, we just got to make this work. We got to do it fast. Uh, can't be over budget. Um, uh, some of that, uh, those ideas are present there. I didn't dig through all of the special uh, features, but they have special features on the, you know, the sound effects, the fight choreography, mm-hmm. uh, a lot breaking that down. I think that's a valuable set. I was lucky yeah. to see uh, that uh, Ben Burt talk at the Academy Museum. I mentioned on our main podcast uh, recently, uh, there was a, just a little feature. Uh, he featured Indiana Jones a little bit, in particular talking about the whip and wanting to make the whip uh, heightened. Uh, mm. That the whole movie was larger than life and wanting the sounds larger than life and that it wasn't just the crack, that he went and uh, recorded uh, jet fighters to make mm. the whoosh of the whip. <laughs> absurdly out of this world powerful particularly when you first when he first lashes out uh Mm -hmm. and and, you know gets the gets the gun dropped uh that's a the sound of a a jet engine so i did get kind of seeped into a little bit of the behind the scenes lore and i think that only made me appreciate the film more Mm. i never heard that about the whip sound even if that was in that any, anything in that doc has been so, I think 2008, the last time I watched anything, but to, to hear Ben Bird talk about that's fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah, it was really great to hear. It, to me, it really underlined and echoed a, a lot of my feelings about the love that went into making this film. Mm-hmm. It, to have that understanding of oh, this, there's a lot going on in this film and, and there is emotional realism, but it is meant to be heightened, mm-hmm. a heightened reality where supernatural things are real and that they were so into that in the sound effects of like, this can't just be a punch. This has to be borderline comic, how powerful a punch sounds. And yeah. often movies do that. You know, I think it's uh, it's always a horrible shock the first time you actually hear somebody beat punched and like, <laughs> oh, that's real. That's horrible. As opposed to that, <laughs> you know, of, yeah. of movies. But the uh, the determination even from the sound perspective to enjoy a heightened world was really the the joy of it the excitement about it was infectious and i think that translates into viewing the film yeah oh absolutely that makes a lot of sense yeah the the the, the pow zoom pow batman punch of it all in, in a weird way it 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 because it, 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 i when watching raiders and this is maybe some overall stuff too but like watching raiders last night when it's 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 in a weird way the most real of the films, right? Uh, it's it's uh, presented a little more realistic than some of the other ones to me. But then that thought is almost taken away from me the moment that first whip sound comes out. And that 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 makes perfect sense. What you're saying, what Ben Burt did, uh, it all kind of translates, and it reminds me that no, this is this is high adventure. This is high adventure. 
High adventure, yeah. Final thing I wanted to say about my prep is often with Star Wars, when we're watching things, I'll post a picture, uh, uh, particularly the midnight experience for Disney Plus of uh, a drink and an action figure. And I really want some of these new action figures they've put out, the higher mm. the, the higher end, nice uh, six-inch ones, or whatever they are, The basically the Black Series of Indiana Jones, but then also the retro ones. And uh, recently, when when we were in London, I went to the Forbidden Planet Megastore, and they just had everything. I was a kid in a candy store. I couldn't get everything. I physically didn't have room. But they had all the Indiana Jones figures. And I I picked up an Indiana Jones figure and decided, no, I'll find him later. Uh, It was like the film. Like, I had him in my hand, Marcus. (laughs) I had Indy in my hand. He could have watched this movie with me, uh, but I had to put him down. They even, I didn't notice that Marion comes with the monkey. Uh, They had the German mechanic. Uh, A father and a son walked by and looked at him while I was looking at him. And and at first the father was like, wow, look at all these. And then he picked up uh, the action figure of Tote and went, Tote? Who wants him? Uh, so, fair question, but I want him. <laughs> I want him. I want them all. So it was, uh, we'll get into the themes, but this whole idea of uh, what has value and when uh, does the value accrue, but looking at those retro figures that are recreations of artifacts from the past and uh, coveting them now, that got me in the mood too. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I, I do have a Raiders figure. I got uh, sent to me for my birthday from a good friend, Jeff Saunders. Uh, a listener of Force and everything, and and so I have that Kenner three and three quarter one hanging in my room now. It's great. It's just bold and yellow and red and adventury, and it's hanging there. The the classic, the Raiders indie with leather jacket, hat, yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So mm. Mm. I had him in my hand, Ken. I, I had him in my hand. <laughs> I don't want to rub it in, but you know, you, you had you only had so much room in the satchel. So, yep, yep. All right, Uh, we are going to move on from my toy woes to talking about this film. So uh, where does this film rate for you? We're not into necessarily uh, ranking this one, you know, is objectively the best kind of thing. Uh, But is this the best for you? Is it your favorite? In your opinion, is it the the most well-made of the films? Uh, We often hear that about Raiders, so I'm curious where you land on that. This is taking me back to my mid-90s college days of film and video production and screenwriting classes where we would just sit around and talk about this stuff with uh, too much snark and, and at times too much sincerity uh, in our own, um, you know, just in terms of their own beliefs. So I'll say I am one of those annoying people that consider this the best of the series, a perfect film, but Last Crusade's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of, I, I, I wish I was more original than that, <laughs> but that's. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I, I, think and i feel this way about some of the star wars films of like yep i think that's probably in my opinion the best made you could go sort of down the the analytical uh, rabbit hole mm-hmm. of the way it's constructed the cinematography uh, all those things um but then there's the but i'm a little bit more drawn to this one or i want to rewatch this one on a saturday afternoon and i feel like raiders of the lost ark is in my opinion with those kind of uh, analysis probably the best made mm-hmm. i think it Almost like the original Star Wars film, uh, Now a New Hope, uh, it is the freshest. It's it's mm-hmm. lightning in a bottle. Yes. Uh, it, it isn't the entirety of what the series can be or will be, but you can feel that excitement, that discovery, mm-hmm. that freshness, even 40 plus years later. So I think it has the bonus of being the first one. And then I think it also has 
that uh, it is just so uh, constructed so well. I think you can feel from the creators the fun, the discovery. I, I will probably talk about this a little bit more, but I wanted to put it out here. I feel like the film is wrestling with archaeology. What is its value? It's about people digging through the past to unearth golden treasure. And I think you can feel the spirit of that's what Lucas Spielberg and a bunch of the other creative team are doing to their own childhoods. They are mm-hmm. rediscovering the relic of adventure serials and bringing them into the present, making them new, holding them up and going. They do have inherent value. Yeah. And I think that act, the freshness of that act, you can feel. And then as Indiana Jones moves forward, I think there is a, a sense of, well, now we have established a language we have established a world a character and now we're iterating on that mm-hmm. um, i know i don't always agree with that when people say it about star wars that star wars is now just uh that star wars used to be looking back on other ideas and now star wars is just looking back on star wars uh i don't entirely agree with with that when people say it about star wars but i do think there is some of that spirit here of this is a, a rediscovery this is a creation and then there is a slightly different tone and feel as they're building on what they created. And Dial of Destiny is going to be fascinating because it's going to be looking back on the legacy of what was yeah. created. Yeah, no, I, I I think, you know, this film I, and watching it um, with this little extra eye, so to speak, a t- uh, eye of the Forbidden Temple, I guess. Um, I just, yes, the serial ventures came before it and that's very clearly part of the, the, the pedigree. But, I didn't see this one in 81, right? I, I, I saw mm-hmm. Temple first. So I didn't experience this. I definitely was too young. But like, I can, uh, just like Star Wars in a Star Destroyer flying over your head. Can you imagine sitting in a theater and either being transported back to your childhood with this kind of stuff or seeing a lot of the set pieces for the first time? Uh, and, and it's definitely different in Temple and Last Crusade and, and, and on. It, it, it's going to be different because this is, like you said, there's a little, little bonus for being first. Uh, that the 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 joy it, it, it uh, dug up in your heart <laughs> like an archaeology. Mm-hmm. Uh, it 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 had a palpable. Uh, the only thing I can kind of remember that similar is I didn't see Back to the Future opening weekend, but my mom and aunt did, and they came mm. home and were raving. I remember it just raving about this film and the joy of seeing it, the joy of experiencing some, another thing that's considered like a perfect film, just in terms of what it does and how it's set up and how it's. Uh, Oh, it's written, and, and I, I, I just, I think I got a lot of uh, joy out of kind of watching it through those eyes. To what you're saying here, it's, it's the energy, the, the, trying to make it work uh, behind the scenes. Uh, you know, the smaller budget, quicker shoot day, all those kind of things. Uh, therefore, it comes off as at times a little bit more, uh, like I said, real to me versus some of the other stuff is bigger. Last Crusade's so much bigger of a, of a film. Because it was, uh, you know, uh, 10 years later. Uh, so it, it definitely works for me. And it's such a template setter uh, for, mm-hmm. for franchise and for other movies. It still is. Uh, other, the other films in the, in, the, in the franchise have incredible high points, but perhaps maybe lower low points than this one mm. um, in terms of, of, of execution or what's on the screen. And, and I think that's why this is this is in that perfect kind of, of film conversation, which, you know, is, is anything truly perfect? No, but. It all works for me, and it's all just such a it's such a joy. It's it's a, a whip snap and a whip smart film. It really is, and I can't wait to discuss all the other films because I I I'm just so fascinated by Temple of Doom, partially because it is the 
so dark and so pulpy, but it is mm-hmm. uh, fractured. <laughs> and then, like I said, Last Crusade is uh, even even bigger. And I think in some ways, dealing with some of the ideas that they started in, in Raiders and even uh, sharpening mm-hmm. the point um, yeah. thematically. Uh, and then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is its whole own thing we'll talk about. And can't wait to talk about Dial of Destiny. So they're all, they're all worthy and interesting. But I think part of the magic of Raiders is that that bonus of being first creating a, a list of this is what makes an Indiana Jones picture. We, we pulled from things we love, but now we've defined this is what makes an Indiana Jones picture. And now we're trying to uh, uh, sort of make sure that we have all the ingredients. I think a huge thing about this is that it is a perfect mixture of the ingredients. It's just a, a like a flawless balance of the action Mm-hmm. The comedy, the romance, the villainy, the, gr- the globe trotting, just the the pure charm. Uh, mm-hmm. Lawrence Kasdan's script, uh, Karen Allen's performance, along with uh, Harrison Ford's performance, mm-hmm. just uh, emanating, radiating, glowing charm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a ridiculous number of iconic quotes from this same film. Uh, then you have the mystery, the awe, the the supernatural, and, and actual ideas about treasure, about uh, morality. It has so many ingredients, and they're so perfectly balanced. And I think uh, it also has a thing to me that's really important, and it's a part of why I love Star Wars, why we talk about Star Wars. The fun, the thrill, the pace, the action sequence, the tension sequences, the... Isn't that just cool? Isn't it fun to dabble in the supernatural? All that stuff isn't. Sometimes you hear that stuff uh, described as like, well, you got to put in those those flashy things to keep the audience's attention. Mm. Uh, and that's not what's going on here. The fun in the thrill is the point just as much as the ideas. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, and, and talking about this perfect mix, uh, the 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 sequence when we meet Marion and Nepal in her bar all the way to the end where the bar burns and I'm your goddamn partner that whole sequence is just you watch it and, and it's everything you're talking about it's the themes it's the stakes it's the pain that they both are dealing with it's the adventure it's the humor whiskey one of my favorite lines ever mm-hmm. uh, her <laughs> taking the drink is the the shot that's to me the 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 that's Indiana Jones. Like if I if I was to show someone, hey, here's here's eight minutes of what this is. You've you've just arrived here on Mars from Mars. Uh, we're going to show you what it is. Um, and, and it's all everything you're talking about. It's and it's mm. not forced. It's not stressed. Uh, you mentioned tension. The, there's such great tension throughout this film. Perhaps the best in, in the series and, and and some of the best tension in cinema. I think where it just so even even marrying with a knife. Covering it with the clothes is like just the tension. Every scene is just has this. It's about to explode into something that can't be controlled. But that sequence is everything you're talking about to me. Uh, it's video evidence of of what you're saying. Yeah, that's really well said. And everything is in there too. The the villainy of Tote and uh, the, yeah, the the mm-hmm. just power of I'm your goddamn partner, uh, and the way it's shot, thrusting uh, yeah. that uh, you know. The, the object, the MacGuffin for now, the MacGuffin that leads to the bigger MacGuffin in his yes. face. It's so powerful. And you're right about, I think one of the things that does make the film really great is 
it is layered everywhere with tension and conflict, even down to those little details. The thing that I'd never really paid uh, attention to is what a great and small choice it is in the beginning sequence when Indy is running for the plane and screaming for it, and the pilot is fishing, and for just a second, kind of doesn't want to stop fishing. It's an incredibly small moment, but it, it it would have been so easy and straightforward to just have the pilot hear that, head up, uh, you know, give it give it agency or, or urgency by him rushing up. But the, the conflict of like, yeah, but I had one on the line. Do I really want to save your life? <laughs> Jock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no yeah yeah sorry I, I, we'll get to our discussion we'll get to the deeper i just i i constantly laugh through these films uh and and i think that that is not forgotten but it can't be forgotten when you're discussing them no it cannot so uh as we always do we're going to discuss the action and the comedy there's there's so much action and comedy to be discussed uh but we want to dive in like we always do uh on four center here on other center in this indiana jones podcast into the the big ideas what is actually at work uh, uh during all that comedy and action and charm what is the film wrestling with we were talking about a, a sense of conflict and tension throughout there is uh, every little moment from from Jacques uh, to to dining <laughs> mm-hmm. with whiskey and knives, uh, booze and knives. There's tension everywhere. But what are the big themes? What ideas are at stake in the movies? What uh, overall tensions uh, really make this film move forward? Ken, what are your thoughts? What notes did you uh, jot down? Yeah, I'll admit this. I had a lot of notes. And at one point I did just stop because I was watching the film again. And I remind myself to go back to the notes. Here's where I start. And this is digging into a little bit of what was available online, uh, just little clips and stuff I was reading last night. Uh, George Lucas saw him as a role model, though flawed, and, and wanted, wanted, him, wanted him to be relatable. And there was an original design of the character to be a little bit, I'll say, James Bondian, which we know, part of the lore, right? Spielberg mm-hmm. says, I'd like to do Bond, and Lucas says, I got one better for you. But they wanted to be a little bit more of a playboy. His, his work funds his life. And, and George really wanted this idea of, of a role model. It's very, very George, right? Uh, so mm-hmm. because of that, this one of those big themes, and maybe it's throughout the series, but definitely in this in this film that we're talking about here, is this adventure in the name of of good. This is an homage to the great adventure stories in cinema. But I I, I do like that there's this there's definitely a tension, and there's a, you and I discussed last time out. There's a, a real world discussion, especially now, about what are you doing? You know, what's your purpose? Um, for, for being a, a, an archaeologist. And there's a quote from Kazan of saying he felt Indiana Jones had to have, was reduced to being like a grave robber type mm-hmm. and, and something that put him there. But this adventure in the name of good, uh, I think Indy doesn't seek out adventure. Even Harrison uh, himself says, I played it as a, as a, as a, you know, a professor first, uh, archaeologist adventurer second. Uh, so it's knowledge and truth is his priority and everything because he's not perfect at it, he, he might think he is, but he just make it up as he goes along. But he's flawed. <laughs> he can't necessarily throw the best punch. He's uh, in over his head. But the adventure is for a good cause and reason. It's always at the core of what's going on with Indiana Jones. Even, um, and I think, again, you could debate a, a film made in the late 70s, released in 81. You know, even in the opening sequence, what exactly is his goal there? Uh, is he taking from this um 
uh, you know, the spot that he shouldn't be taking in Peru. Should, should, should Indy be even grabbing that fertility idol? Um, or is he trying to get it because Belloc's going to get it regardless and he's trying to save it from him? What's his true purpose? Some of it is just because the movie was made in a certain time and maybe those questions aren't asked of Indiana Jones then as they are now. But also then you have to go to the core of what Indy's there for. And again, I say it's adventure in the name of good. Uh, no, I really love this. We we talked uh, a lot about these big ideas in that first podcast, but I think we're going to talk about them even more because yeah. now we get into, well, how does the film actually deal with them? Uh, mm-hmm. We can mm-hmm. talk about what did the creators intend versus, well, th- the text exists now and we get to analyze it and we get to analyze wh- what it means right. regardless of what the creators may or may not have intended that there are different schools of thought and different schools of analysis mm-hmm. about how you analyze something. What's the intent versus, well, maybe the creators did or did not intend this, but how do we read the text now? Particularly yeah. as it moves uh, farther and farther into the future with time. Uh, but I really agree with you. I love the picture of Indiana Jones as uh, books and swagger. We spend mm-hmm. most of the time with him in, in swagger mode, uh, but we also get to see him in tweed and glasses and, mm-hmm nerding out in the library basically and wanting to impart knowledge that's that's his that's his day job Mm. and i was really when we were talking in the in our first episode i was really excited to like that's what i feel about indiana jones and i agree with you uh, adventure for good Uh, i was really excited to analyze the films for how much is he enjoying this how much does he want this how much Mm -hmm. hints at this is the story of uh, somebody who believes that they are all of uh, books <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, tweed and knowledge, but secretly long for manly adventures coded as traditionally manly adventures of uh, romance and punching. And mm. it was it was really great to see in in this film. And we'll talk about it more, but moments where uh, he's enjoying the romance in in the adventure, mm. but to me, always a sense of. I'm putting on this hat and this leather jacket, not just because I need a weekend off to blow right. <laughs> blow off steam because society makes me feel trapped. I don't get that vibe at all. I get that mm. I need the thing at the end of the line, and mm. I'll. I it 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 is the uh, it is not the journey for him. It is <laughs> the object at the end of the journey, and so he puts himself through the hell of the journey. So I right. I really agree with that. Uh, but I I think you're really tapping into something big that for me feels like the main thrust of the film is that Raiders of the Lost Ark feels like in the times where it is digging into who he is, why does he do this, what animates his choices, that this is his road to becoming Mm. an adventurer for good. I think this is the temptation of Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. I think last crusade goes on to put a really fine point on it to the, to the point of having his, his obsessive father who passed this to him saying, let it go. You know, Mm -hmm. in, in Indy's explicit in last crusade, right. Of his crusade is for his father, not for the cup. He's never uh, about the, the cup explicitly from the beginning. And I think Raiders is, is dealing with some of those same ideas but uh, almost in a in a murkier, even slightly darker way. It's it's earlier in Indy's life. Um, yeah. But I feel like structurally, we're invited to look at Indy's past, his choices, how he values archaeology. We're invited to go. Do we agree with him 
Mm. Is he a good man? Is he the role model that Lucas wants him to be? And pointedly, we're invited to contrast him with Rene Belloc. We're invited to do that from the first scene. But then, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I love it, but Rene's monologue has zero subtlety. Uh, mm-hmm. He is mm-hmm. practically looking at the camera and going, compare and contrast. <laughs> yeah. Who yeah. we are as humans uh, and how that is exemplified through our views of uh, the value of archaeology. Mm-hmm. It really sets up an invitation to go watch the film, enjoy the charm, enjoy the humor, enjoy the adventure, uh, but look at this journey of what is Indy's morality versus mm-hmm. Belloc's. I love that you did this, uh, the first temptation of Indy. We can call it that. Um, jumping a little bit to the end, but that, 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 uh, the bazooka scene at the end, uh, I was reading up on that too. Of just, uh, there's some, some people interpretive. Well, we'll, we'll see. Indy is just as bad as him. He, he doesn't blow it up. He, he wants to see. And it's like, I, I, I see it as he's still wrestling to that point. He's still like, Oh, but I do want to see it. Right. I do. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, it's a piece of, inf- it, 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 it's, it, it's a calling of his bluff that ties back to the conversation in the bar. The, I'm a shadow reflection of you scene. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that, yeah, we do see Indy wrestle with it. I, I, I think that's a wonderful point. Yeah. And it, point. It, <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, and we, uh, I definitely want to talk the real fine point of exactly how Indy and Belloc speak about and treat, artifacts, uh, mm-hmm. th- their value. Uh, and in that final speech in particular, or not final, that the, the speech that Bella gives about that choice, he says a, a lot of um, not great things mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to try to manipulate uh, Indy. He says, all your life has been spent in pursuit of archaeological relics inside the ark are treasures beyond your wireless aspirations. You want to see it opened as well as I. Uh, Indiana, we are simply passing through the history. This, this is history. It's the last line that gets Indy, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It isn't the the greed. It isn't the power that can be bestowed. Mm-hmm. It isn't you're so curious and you need to know what's in there. It's the inherent valuing of an object of being history, of carrying uh, mm-hmm. knowledge and inherent importance. Uh, and I think that's one of the big ways that, that Indy and Bella get contrasted is all of their views on why are they doing this? Why are they doing archaeology? What is the value of objects? Yeah, no, uh, I think that's a, that's a big, giant, well-said moment there and and all leading to that choice for Indy in that moment. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let's, let's uh, let, I want to talk about that because it's one of my favorite things about the, mm. the, the contrast of the value, of the way they value things. Um, Bellic is pretty consistently valuing artifacts as not, inherently valuable but Mm -hmm. having some value that they can bring to him uh i I love his watch quote that i've Mm -hmm. always liked but it watching it this time it really resonated with me of he he shows that the watch to indy and says it's worthless ten dollars from a vendor in the street but i take it i bury it in the sand for a thousand years it becomes priceless like the ark men will kill for it men like you and me and i think there's some amount of you know good compare and contrast with indy there where yeah things have Old things have value because they are of their time, mm. but there's such disrespect to yeah. the watch, right? To the object of, uh, well, maybe the value is its craftsmanship. Mm. Maybe the value is 
the memory of when you purchased it. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it, it it has all sorts of different kinds of inherent value. Uh, and the way that he can just sort of look at it in a sneering way and say, only if you add this other ingredient of time will it have any any value is a, a, a great starting point of, of Belloc's. Uh, not valuing the object for what they mean, but for, rather than what they can bring him. To him, the watch is worthless. It might not be to, to some kid in the street. Uh, probably find that real valuable. Yeah. Um, he explicitly wants the Ark because of the power he thinks it can bestow on him. Uh, do you realize what the Ark is? It's a transmitter. It's a radio for speaking to God, and it's within my reach, which is, you know, a great over-the-top villain line, but also really fun to think about. Like, what what exactly do you have to say to God? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he's not stopping to to, to ask himself why. He's just, uh, yeah, we have the ability to do it. Yeah, no, I love this. It's the pursuit of glory and, and, and is, is is throughout all these films, like in what, how you relate to that, right? And Bella versus Indy is the is the is the main um, thing about that there. But there's the imagery all the way through it. Uh, Satipo's uh, this is Alfred Molina's character doing the money grubbing figure sign before his death. Mary holding on to, to the medallion, which represents her father, represents family, represents something mm. bigger versus literally a shot with her looking at the money that she's just received to kind of give this over. Um, yeah, it's constantly a play. And it's and it's and I, I think you're right. A lot of the Bellog stuff is just right there. It's just right there for you to take in. Uh, yeah. And I love what you're saying, too, about uh, it's it's such a it's a disregard for watch this poor watch that you and i are defending but it's disregard for <laughs> for, for the now right for, for, for who might relate to this now who might want that uh idol to be there who might want it to be kept in one spot it's a disregard for all of it as it relates to you uh and when it can become valuable to you yeah i love what you're saying about marion's connection of like yeah why does she wear that around her her neck mm-hmm. is it because it's valuable is it because that's the safest place maybe on a on a practical level but yeah is that her dead father <laughs> next yeah. to her heart is really powerful. Um, I, I think there's some great, uh, very traditional ideas that you, that you find in, in a lot of morality-based storytelling, but certainly connections to Star Wars here about greed and it's never enough, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Belloc is, you know, he, he's not along with the tenants of the Sith uh, yeah. because he's not even happy with the Ark itself, right? You, you could think that the Ark is... Mm -hmm. this golden object of history lost for you know thousands and thousands of years but he's not even happy with the ark itself he says inside the ark are treasures beyond your wildest aspirations Mm -hmm. and it's like a a joke on him when there's only sand inside it so even the thing that he's coveting that's literally golden literally ancient literally imbued with power and history Mm -hmm. is still not enough he still wants what he thinks is in inside the shattered remains right. of the tablets. Um, everything about him is the, how the objects can give him power. Mm. There's the, 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 you know, the, the famous great line of, again, we see there's nothing you can possess, which I cannot take away mm-hmm. uh, that combined with his sort of staring at it, uh, the maniacal laughter, like the idol uh, mm. that owning him, holding the idol, him owning it, not bringing it somewhere else, not yeah. studying it, but yeah. him, obtaining it is mm-hmm. the power is the value uh his creepy interest in in marion is mm-hmm. just some very uh standard even trope like uh the the bad guy in the in the good guy fighting over the girl uh yeah. some 
definitely some uh, dated elements to that, even though Marion is a great and powerful character. Uh, but I feel like that is a part of the story. His mm-hmm. creepy interest in Marion reads as, I take that idol from you. I'll take this girl from you. The yeah. value of things is the challenge for me to take them from someone else and to have them to prove to me yeah. that I am the, the most powerful. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. You know, it's it's uh, hopefully I'm not jumping around too much, but on that one scene, there's some, uh, Karen Allen brought a lot to that um, scene in the sense of it was originally maybe, well, when I say originally, who knows various drafts of the scripts, but it was a little bit more of a mutual attraction between them, and she just said that doesn't read right to me. It's not honest. It's not. It, she's not. She's loyal to Lynn Indy in mo- a lot of different ways, not just necessarily romantic. Uh, so she she wanted to play more of the you know. The, uh, a seduction to escape uh, a trap a contest and so that's just to me adds to what you're saying about Bella that there's that yeah. there's nothing there for him uh, other than just to to take her as a trophy yep and 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 he says at one point uh, the girl was mine, mine uh, yeah. to to the Nazis there's a literal uh you know desire mm-hmm. to possess um yeah and the, that documentary that again I believe is from 2008 uh Karen Allen is is talking about that scene and uh, recollecting that they they had her uh, putting on the dress, and as she said to uh, Spielberg, like I I had there's no reason that I can't find any motivation for her to go along with that. Mm-hmm. And Spielberg, uh, at least in Karen Allen's story, being tired, exhausted, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get this done in uh, 73 days uh, for mm-hmm. the sake of his his career, uh, said. You got anything, Karen? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that, and that she says she came up with the knife thing. Like, let's make it all about. Uh, I'll play this game to distract you to escape. It's wonderful, wonderful, yeah, wonderful, yeah. Because it makes it uh, gives her agency and gives the scene great, great tension that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Amazing tension, yeah, um, yeah. So, so I, a lot of talk about Belloc seeing things is not necessarily being having inherent value or value attached to sentiment uh like mm-hmm. you're talking about with uh the, the top of the staff and and uh Marion's father but rather just can I possess them can I take them away from someone else can they lead to more and more more power for me mm-hmm. and i think part of the the sort of temptation of indiana jones is that he is tempted throughout the film to treat objects mm-hmm. like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think whether or not it was intended by the creators, I think you can read the beginning uh, as, as rating. Uh, yeah. The, there, there's still an active culture in that area of uh, South America, as the film says, but uh, Peru, I think mm-hmm. it gets uh, fleshed out in, in other materials um, that uh, there's still active cultures there. We're like, don't take that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the culture who built that place set up, death traps not for fun there's not a hidden camera for a reality television show it's because don't take that uh so i think if you want to you can read that as a rating uh yeah indy's heart you can read indy's heart is in the right place of that is that is a piece of history it is not actively being used the perhaps the original culture that used it as an active idol of fertility is Mm -hmm. is no longer there we can learn more about an ancient culture you you can read some good intentions but i think you can read him as a raider of, mm-hmm. of that idol um he keeps kind of going back in in forth in how in wrestling with his own darkness uh, mm-hmm. i want to talk a little bit more about how indy's darkness is is coded uh 
But there's all these great scenes where you can say, is he making a pragmatic choice or is he prioritizing the arc over Marion? Mm. Um, is like when he leaves her tied up, you can just go like that. It's a, it's a fun comedy moment. There's charm yeah. to it and it's pragmatic. He's right. She would, mm-hmm. uh, if he pulled her out, they would know. But there's that, there's a sort of a level of a, obsession yeah. about uh, the arc that I think he eventually uh, breaks free from. There, there's a mm-hmm. lot in the film that is coded uh, of what becomes, again, explicit in Last Crusade. Is this about the cup or is this about your father? I think in a slightly murkier way, Marion versus the arc juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Um there, I we can talk about this more, but I think there's a question of is she hurt because back in the day, ten years ago, he left her mm-hmm. for an adventure, for an artifact. Uh, that moment of leaving her tied up. He he claims in that climactic moment with the bazooka that he just wants to save her, mm-hmm. uh, but he's still not able to destroy the the ark. Uh, all of that sort of being capped by him still sort of obsessing on the arc and its future in that final scene and Marion saying, well, I know what I've got here and mm-hmm. inviting audiences yeah. to read the film as well. Here, here's the real treasure. They, they came back mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. And, and that's what, what matters. So I, I think the way that Indy interacts with the arc, he's in danger of becoming as obsessive uh, mm-hmm. as as Belloc, but I think at the end of the day, he becomes what you're talking about, this uh, adventurer for good where he has, in his heart of hearts, he has respect for the inherent value, the inherent power of of objects. Uh, I think Indy, like I said, I think Indy can't bring himself to destroy the Ark because of the last thing Belloc says. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's about his, his greed. It's about it is history. Mm-hmm. Like what knowledge will be lost, what understanding of humanity will be lost if he makes this choice and it's even there when he in his in his um anger at the end that the government won't respect it you know, fools yeah. they don't know what they've they've got there mm-hmm. um he has throughout the film i think plenty of moments of of thrill of in, enjoying the violence and romance but that is not what he's after you know mm-hmm. at the end of the day he, he does all of this uh so he can come back home put on glasses and tweed and share his knowledge <laughs> Yeah. No, this is wonderful stuff here. When I we'll go back to the beginning of it there too, where, where I think this is, this is, this is also uh, a story about folklore and the power of myth uh, and what Indy's relationship to that is. And he's something he struggles with and, and, and Indy's to be relatable, but he's to be uh, per- portrayed as fallible as well. I, 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 I like your read on the opening scene. I think it definitely is adventure, right? It's definitely mm-hmm. a great opening sequence. It's a great intro to the character, but yeah, I think you, you take, what he was doing there. And again, I think that you could argue to a degree, well, he, he's, he, Belog's going for it. So he better go for it too. But I, I, again, I go to Captain's quote of Indy's kind of at this point reduced to this idea of uh, grave robbing. He wasn't necessarily speaking about this scene. Um, so yeah, you can take it on face value. It's a fun adventure, but you're right. Eh, the locals put some traps up there. Not for fun. Not for fun. That makes me laugh. Because <laughs> so it's, you can so view it as that. It's a fun ride. Well, now they just, it's, it's, they don't want you there. Um, really violent escape room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really, yeah. It's just fun. Now, um, to where he ends up. And I think it, and I think, uh, he ends up in a, in, in a better spot, but it's still complicated spot. And, and Temple of Doom takes place before. So throw that out maybe on the arc. We can put that on a different 
story uh, timeline that for Indy, but go to Last Crusade and he's still struggling with it, right? Uh, still pursuing these things, but maybe with a little bit more refined sense of good. And mm-hmm. the final lesson being his his father. And then we get to Crystal School after, but yeah, yeah. So um, I really love what you're saying in the journey, and I think I think you're right. I, I in in the Marion moment, uh, it, it, it's 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 a good strategy. Um, mm-hmm. It might be for the benefit of them all, but I think that's what flashes through his head. Is that if I do this, the, the arc, the arc is lost to us, and and maybe goes to them, and all that kind of stuff. And and again, maybe you could argue, well, he's he's trying to keep it out of the Nazis' hands. Sure, it's part of it, but uh, I don't think it's played that way. So I think it's 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 the value of this story, the value of the journey of Indy, um, and that it is not necessarily about what eva- what his actions, uh, you know, that 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 dumb trope of, uh, you know, Indy doesn't affect the plot of the movie. Uh, something I've always just so like it's not the gotcha you think it is number one because it takes away the value of this this ongoing journey of this man it's complicated yeah. man it's, it's, i just this morning watched uh alex damon of star wars explains a great uh video about this and mm-hmm. uh, the the argument of if you want to get into the plot he he does affect the plot but also the more important thing of that isn't the heart of the movie it's mm-hmm. the the question raised by the title if this is raiders of the lost ark is indy one of the raiders mm-hmm. um i think you you said something that made me feel uh like i could crystallize that that mm-hmm. moment with the bazooka a little bit more of mm-hmm. from belloc's perspective it's a everything's a competition and yeah. possessing the ark is a win for him and he thinks the argument he's making to Indy is a selfish one of you can't bear to lose the arc. Mm. But I think what actually does stop Indy is he can't bear the idea that the world would lose the arc. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's selfish. I don't think it's about him. I think it's about really respecting the inherent value and power of the object. Um, totally. And totally. obviously there's a, there's a lot of, um, you know, some biblical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about the the Ark of the uh, Covenant, and you can sort of uh, obviously read it that way. Read it uh, the power of God, warnings of God, the wrath of God, all all that stuff. Uh, but I also just feel like uh, for for me, maybe from uh, a, a slightly more secular uh, perspective, that looking away from the Ark is tied to that watch speech of that mm-hmm. this is valueless. Uh, to me, it, it's about this idea that objects do have inherent value. They can't be manipulated. They can't be claimed at the end mm-hmm. of the day. They are what they are. Um, I love the little scene that gets inserted, I think, uh, uh, of the uh, arc humming on the ship and burning away the Nazi symbol. And I think it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, I think the lore there is that Lucas really wanted that added. And it is a good good little beat to keep the tension alive to remind you (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah indy's got it so he would have appeared to have won and if does indy win or not is the question of the movie then then it starts to deflate right there because it appears like are we we're toward the end did did indy win why is the movie still going but by inserting that it reminds you like the tension is what should be done with this arc how should we feel about it how should we treat it Hmm. uh so it, it's just great functionally, but also I just love the arc burning off the Nazi symbol. Like his mm-hmm. saying, uh, you know, I think you can definitely read that as um, what decent moral thing wouldn't want to burn a Nazi symbol off of something. Yeah. But it's also, you, you can't own me. 
Mm-hmm. You, you can't put your label on me. Uh, I, I have inherent value. I really agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. And and, and that it's a, it's a fun little uh, tension builder, like you said. It's uh, yeah. There's a lot going on here. I think there's a lot. Uh, Spielberg putting this uh, this film of uh, of uh, the Jewish people versus the Nazis, even down to uh, taking swipes at Mercedes. Uh, I think a lot of that runs through of what was going on here, but uh, uh, relating it to the value that is uh, inherent to uh, that, to us all. And I, your crystallized point, I think is a great point. <laughs> Belog is, he's, he's, he's a win guy, right? <laughs> he's a win or loss, a zero, zero sum guy. And uh, maybe that's why Indy puts down the bazooka, that it's not about him winning at that moment. Like you said, it's about the, the greater good, the greater, uh, the world at large, maybe. I like yeah. that. About the ability to understand the arc and its meaning and its mm-hmm. place in history and, and what yeah. value could that bring to the world. Uh, yeah, I want to go back a little bit to the sort of the, the, the we talked about Indy going on a journey in terms of being a, a, a raider, a possessor. But I want to talk a little bit more about some of the ways that they, the I think the movie invites us to to wrestle with Indy's uh, morality versus Belloc. Um, Belloc has this, you know, famous speech of uh, archaeology as a religion, yet we have both fallen from the pure faith. Our methods have not differed as much as you pretend. I am a shadowy reflection of you. It would take only a nudge to make you like me, to push you out of the light. Um, I feel like at that point the film is saying, like, is Indy in the light? <laughs> right, right. Um, there is a ton of ways to visually analyze the film with light and dark. A lot of it is just uh, the great style of the film and, and great shots. But, mm-hmm. again, it's it's also just there it's part of the text uh india is constantly moving literally in and out of the shadows we meet him in shadow and he steps into the light and Mm -hmm. i do think that is about introducing us to this new iconic hero but it's also hard not to connect that to the literal imagery that Mm -hmm. belloc is is saying with shadowy uh reflections uh he is literally in shadow drunk (laughs) angry Mm -hmm. at a real low point as uh, Bellic is giving this light and dark speech. Uh, again, it is just iconic in a great way to introduce the scene, but it's a shadow that arrives at Marion's bar. It, yeah. it, and it's almost yeah. like that's, that's the indie she's left lived with. Not, not, mm-hmm. uh, not glasses and tweed, not leather mm-hmm. and hat, the shadow of him in the choices he made. Uh, there are multiple shots of Sala in, in Indy with the arc, but there's that one real distinctive shot of them moving it, against the wall and it's their, their shadows moving it. So yeah. I think there's a lot in the, in the visuals that ask us to sort of play with is Indy in the light is Indy in, in the dark. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like that, that those shots are, are stylistic, uh, iconic, or are, do you feel like they're there to play with these ideas of light and shadow? I, I absolutely think, well, iconic, of course. Yes. Right. And, and, and there's, you're so right. That opening sequence is just this perfect, introduction of, of this character but i think the one that stood out to me and i even made some notes of it is just this the shadow of indy over marion um mm-hmm. uh, it's so again it, it, your question of iconic almost every shot in this film's become iconic so it's it's hard to move away from that uh, but it's so purposeful it's so what's there it's so this um and it's not really him right it's this image of it not to make this direct connection to, to Han Solo. And that's what George didn't want to do. That's why he didn't want to cast Harrison for a long time. Right. Um, but it's, it's that same, like there's, 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 there's Indy and then there's junior and there's professor junior. Right? And, and <laughs> this is the image of the shadow. And they're like, 
the, I think that's why I think for me, Belog um, actually might be my favorite um, so-called villain in the series uh, in, in a way of it, it's such a, you could easily believe him. Andy could easily believe him. And, and what do we always say, especially in the Star Wars side is not everything the villain says is true, um, mm-hmm. but it definitely comes from um, a, a perspective that's dangerous. Uh, if you're not know, Kevin's Dooku talking to Kenobi, it's Kylo talking to Ray. It's all those kind of things. It's the same kind of energy to me uh, as, as, as Indy wrestles with it all the way to the very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I do feel like it's selfish from Belloc's perspective and, and it is almost uh, uh, like Palpatine's manipulation of Anakin of like mm-hmm. people pat themselves on the back and claim they're do-gooders, but the Jedi want power just as much. They lie about being selfless. Yeah. Everybody wants power for themselves so actually there's no moral problem with grabbing for power because everybody does it everybody's bad and there's definitely i think some manipulation there of belloc saying like i'm not doing anything wrong i'm just honest you do it too yeah but i also feel like there's enough in the film where where uh indy is wrestling with his own actions his own choices uh Mm -hmm. literally becoming a shadow literally moving into the darkness literally moving into the light wrestling with his choices that this is one of those bad guy manipulations where ooh he he hit a nerve <laughs> yeah uh, that india has been telling himself we even get the the quote when he's it's in the background but it's when he's talking to the students and he and he says uh, mm-hmm. let's not confuse this with being a, a, a robber uh, yeah, yeah. which uh, uh, pulling up the actual uh, don't confuse that with robbing in which case we mean the removal of the contents of the mm-hmm. barrow Mm-hmm. So he's there in his in his uh, happy place, in my mind, sharing mm-hmm. the knowledge uh, that he he has uh, yeah, yeah. with with great respect about what is true, what is false, what is legend, what are we learning about this culture? Uh, people rated it, so it's that that site that he's talking about isn't in in good condition. Let's not be robbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like he's telling himself that's who he is, but maybe he is going out and and taking action that mm-hmm. disagrees with his view of himself. I, I, I really think that's at play more, more than maybe this uh, that was given credit to this movie over the years. Not saying we're the first to come along. Don't say don't. I'm not. No. I'm not Belog. Believe in my own hype there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly what's at play. Though that scene is it's I, I think that scene is remembered what for the I love you on the eyelids mm-hmm. uh, and golden, great, hilarious. Golden. Yeah, and that weird kid giving him the apple. At the, I love that little beat. <laughs> it was like, oh, actually, you did that. And Brody just taking it. it. That scene's remembered for a lot of the things, but I, I love that you folks know what he's actually saying there. And this is where he's talking about folklore and, and what he what he believes. And he believes as, as far as the facts take him in a way. This is uh, this is you could look this look at this as a a spiritual journey as well. I think one of the big themes throughout it is faith and trust from the opening sequence. It's kind of a trust walk. Who do you, who do you mm. choose? Belog's kind of saying, yeah, you choose the wrong friends. Uh, you know, as if he's got the, the Jovitos are his best friends right here. <laughs> and even mm-hmm. going later in the ship, getting on Katanga's ship. Do you trust these guys? There's a lot of that stuff going on. And, and Indy is someone who's learned, um, you know, perhaps from his childhood not to trust. And so I think that's part of the journey and, and, and uh, going to the, uh, the Belog of it all. Yeah, Absolutely poking at him right where it hurts the most yeah no i love that point i think indy is a a well-seasoned uh traveler he Mm -hmm. obtains uh uh you know rare artifacts they kind of joke about how would you describe what you do with the Mm -hmm. uh the government people uh if that's Mm -hmm. that's one way to say it so i think he is very worldly he's very aware Mm -hmm. that there are more bellocks (laughs) yeah uh than solas and how do you 
uh, and how vital trust is. And maybe this this picture that he's that that some of that is seeping into his actions. Um, yeah, I, I feel like some of the ways that that we're invited to question, you know, is Indy on the path to, as you said, being an adventure for good? Um, we can talk more about um, the ramifications of the the age stuff with with Marion. Uh, but for just a moment, I'm uh, highly, highly acknowledging that. Uh, but I want to talk uh, a little bit more about what actually happened between them. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't know exactly what happened with Marion. It's a shadow mm-hmm. hanging over Indy. It's a shadow that literally walks back into her bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's got that moment of pause. He's so excited, nerdy, happy uh, when mm-hmm. Brody tells goes to his place and tells him he, he gets to go after it. And he's yeah. he's packing and he's... <laughs> cheersing and dancing uh, <laughs> and there's that pause and that shadow over uh will she still be with him mm-hmm. uh he so to me there's an implication of he doesn't feel great about it and then he really tries to kind of cover it up with his i got my hat on i got my leather jacket i'm a tough yeah. guy now you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um the actual mm-hmm. dialogue i learned to hate you in the last 10 years he says i never meant to hurt you i was a child i was in love it was wrong and you knew it uh, you knew what you were doing. I did what I did. You don't have to be happy about it. But maybe we could help each other out. Uh, again, lots to discuss there about the, the age stuff. But I, I feel like for me, I never really stopped to question, like, obviously, uh, there's the age element where Marion felt like she was in over her head and that mm-hmm. was unfair. But what is it that he actually did? Was it having a relationship or is it that he left the relationship? Uh, the, fair. Yeah. Yes. Um, I've been waiting to find the right way to get into, to get into this, not just in the podcast in life. Um, there's a lot about this. I, I have thoughts on it and, and some of it. Um, um, yeah. Let me to answer your question. I, I, I think that's, we don't know. We don't know. And you could make an immediate leap to the worst of the worst, but I, I think there's a, a, I think, I think he, he, he clearly left for adventure perhaps or pursuit of something, but also I, I, I always take it as uh, you know, it caused him to fall out with Abner uh, Ravenwood. It caused, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, whatever happened. Um, uh, I, I would, I don't need to know, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't have the, the answer for that. I, I guess in a way I want to make sure I'm not carefully, carefully uh, being careful about the, not the defending something I shouldn't with Indy, but um, I, yeah. it, it's, I, I don't know. I just, sometimes the conversation around it, I, I feel is, I don't know, surface. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to get think, think of the words. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we, we, we have a section where we can talk about things we wrestled with. <laughs> yeah, and there is the to me there is there is just the the age thing and the way it's discussed um, that that I I do wrestle with and I do think it's an important conversation. But in terms of what we're talking about right now, which is uh, what is the film inviting us to question Indian morality? And I feel like in this scene, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. because. I feel like what, to me, what I'm reading is Marion saying, uh, you are old enough to know how deeply I would feel about you mm-hmm. and you chose something else. You yeah. left, uh, which I feel like to me, key, uh, really sets off this, this uh, juxtaposition between Marion and the arc where he uh, risks her, he leaves her, uh, he claims he can blow up the arc to, to put, uh, her is the number one priority. Uh, mm-hmm. Can't quite do that. Uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, they have come back together and she is the treasure. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it does set up 
set up that stuff. Uh, and, and he wants to, he doesn't want to deal with it to, to Belloc's point of, yeah. yeah, you know, maybe you're not as great as you think you are, Indiana Jones. And mm-hmm. here he is, you know, Hey, I just need something from you, Marion. Can we not even really talk about this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. to me, that is an invitation to question his morality. Um, yeah, I, I think he's in, he, he and then it you know it's it's an important beat when he thinks he lost her he thinks he got her killed uh, mm-hmm. or failed to defend her uh and he's uh it, it it's kind of structurally a moment that in a lot of more traditional films would be the the all is lost second act to third act uh moment yeah. but he's in a dark violent drunken place like mm-hmm. we think of all the iconic lines and the fun lines and the indomitable spirit of indiana jones i don't know i'm making up this up as we and go it along and it's easy to to look past like he, he's in the shadow he's drunk borderline suicidal with that line yeah. of uh you want to talk to god let's go see him together i've got nothing better to do yeah he's in a really really dark place and then in this this interplay of of, of dark and light again it's it is the straightforward plot uh but you can read into it um marion jokes about them having having a child with the monkey mm-hmm. um in this this sort of playful idea of the the, the value of of family mm-hmm. uh and then he's he's rescued from this dark bleak violent place by a small army of of Charles' children <laughs> right uh, so that that is a real juxtaposition of of, of uh, darkness and and light of mm. being uh, i i failed and i'm i'm borderline ready to give up and mm. then i'm rescued by children yeah no no well well said on on it all there too um yeah well said indeed sorry yeah I'm trying no, to- no that's fine <laughs> that's all i got no uh, um we yeah we did we talked about this a little bit with with uh the idea of artifacts but but i i think there are these great moments where it, it is bullet pointed that he's wrestling with being as obsessive and possessive is uh is Bellica like, uh, yeah. prioritizing the arc over marion um mm-hmm. and I, I just wanted to be sure to mention uh one of the things that is so crystal clear in the film that it's borderline funny it, it works uh, but the copious warnings <laughs> mm-hmm. to leave the Ark alone, you know, Brody warns him. Uh, the, the, I feel like the, the line exists in the pop culture imagination. It's like nothing you've gone after before in a fun way, right? Of, uh, right. you're, you're going to go, Hey, have you, you've never, uh, been to this. You've never been <laughs> bungee jumping. Right. Great. It's like nothing yeah. you've gone after before, but the way it's said in the film is, you know, it's not something to be taken lightly. No one knows its secrets. It's like nothing you've ever gone after before. It's a warning to take it as seriously as possible. Uh, mm-hmm. Sala warns him. Uh, yeah. If if it is there at Tannis, then it is something that man was not meant to disturb. Death has always surrounded it. It is not mm-hmm. of this earth. Even as Indy's having his, his triumph, he's, he's found the actual site. He's digging away. Ominous swirling clouds and lightning. Yes. Uh, yes. There, there, there's an attack on subtlety in in the well of souls where he goes to gets it he just he descends into a dark pit full of snakes which Mm -hmm. you know have some religious Mm -hmm. (laughs) connotations uh those statues are are jackals Mm -hmm. looking up and screaming at anyone who would enter and then when he makes it out of that chamber it's with marion by finding a a crack of light 
mm-hmm. and he literally ascends out of this this pit full of warning. Um, and from that point on, I feel like Indy's wobbled. He's had mm-hmm. his moments of darkness. He's had his moments of maybe lying to himself. But from that point on, from when he emerges, he, he's he's much more the adventurer for good, mm-hmm. as you're talking about. His mission is more clear of mm-hmm. the Nazis can't have that arc. They can't have Marion. The arc has value. Marion has value. Uh, these monsters can't have them. Mm-hmm. And my mission isn't to get it for get those things for myself. My mission is to keep those things that have value safe. So I feel like he emerges from that pit with much clearer forward movement of I don't I I got to fight a large German mechanic. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to drag myself under a truck. I'll do anything to mm-hmm. keep those things safe. I know. I, I think you're absolutely right. It's one of those things that's just uh, perhaps uh, uh, as clear as the light shining through the, the the back end of the Well of Souls, which also is one of my favorite things that uh, you just could have moved that thing and you could have got in there, uh, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> it was right there in front of you the whole time. But that's the thing. It's right there in front of you the whole time. I love your point about Marcus Brody. He has a moment later on with Dr. Elsha Snyder in the last crusade. Can we get to it, too, where he's kind of got the same like messing with powers. You have no idea. You have no idea. And how that's kind of a, a theme all the way through it in this um in this adventure, uh, I, I, I think time is, is, is taking away that impact and, and taking away uh, the impact of Indy's response. Ah, you know me. I'm always careful. Let me put six bullets in a gun as I go for the power. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it's all kind of clear. You're hot. One of my favorite little scenes is when we're, uh, there were the, the Iman and he's reading the staff and the wind blows. Oh, it's one of my it's kind of a chill inducing moment for me. It is. It is yeah. no otherworldly. Uh, and, and I love that, and that's part of the pursuit as well. This this faith and, and, and trust, and the, the power of it all. What do you believe? And and Indy going back to his classroom, and this is something through. He's you know he's he's a intellectual, so he's going to look at things this way. I think he deals with it a little bit in Last Crusade as well. But just he's such a like ah, I've heard this bedtime story too, guy. And uh, and that's who that's who he is in that classroom in the opening scene. Yeah, and yeah, the they're all around him. Yeah, and it, and it's not like he doesn't hear them, but he's like, yeah, cool. Well, I'm going to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I feel like that is that is the culmination. That is the looking away. Um, mm-hmm. I think a different film would have had the flashes of the the warnings, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so this idea that that he is hearing these things, he is questioning himself, he is making choices, he doesn't want to be Belloc, he doesn't want to slip into being possessive and obsessive and uh, selfish in his pursuit of these things. He wants to respect their inherent value, respect their power. Mm. And that's, I think what gives him the epiphany, the knowledge (laughs) to look away. Mm. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Uh, Any other big picture ideas for you that you wanted to discuss? Uh, No, we got the faith and trust one, trust one, which is part of the spiritual journey here. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, no, I think that's about it. I, yeah, we talked on the power of the myth. I wanted to get to that one as well. There's a lot of other uh, themes that at, at play that a lot of people have put on this film. It's a very American film at a time. Uh, I, I love the, the time that it was made, the beginning of this 80s decade, which is uh, not necessarily the greatest uh, thought. <laughs> but there's, <laughs> I was reading a lot of think pieces from back in the day and all through the years of just uh, mm. that are, um, you know, there's because Marion has a line, if you can't do this to me, I'm American. And so there's a lot of that at, at play in the movie. It's not necessarily, I don't think it would be the same if you made the movie now, but um, 
uh, it does run all the way through it, but it, but it's a very Spielbergian thing to me. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely, and and certainly the the uh, growing awareness of eighties being the decade of uh, greed, and mm-hmm. even former hippies going, yeah, actually, yeah. the accumulation of wealth is pretty awesome. Uh, that that's a it's a really fascinating lens uh, to to look at it through. Yeah, um, and how much that stuff does just seep in Uh, i i do feel like i was talking about at the very beginning that there is this uh, great meta resonance that if the film is about coming to appreciate the inherent value uh, of the past and uh that Mm. knowledge can come with them understanding can come with them but maybe they just have value in and Mm. of themselves that that's a pretty fascinating way to look at the creation uh, of this film of uh, Lucas Spielberg, so many of the other creators having a, a, a deep love and attachment to the adventure serial, mm-hmm. but also to the the drop dead classics of a bygone era. There, there's yeah. you know shots that are uh, uh, just uh, straightforward Casablanca. There, there's it's not just the adventure serial out of the frying pan into the fire structure. Uh, it, it is also taking uh, adding combining like the adventure serial with Casablanca with the fallible hero who maybe doesn't get what they want but all of it is about is about looking back to like remember when we had these films that that balanced comedy romance intrigue action that they're they were charming and they were fun and and when you were a kid and you saw them they made you just want to just uh ride on your bike and stick a baseball card in it to make it sound even cooler like the the act in the late 70s 80s to say that relic of our actual past mm-hmm. has inherent value let's bring it into the light mm-hmm. is meaningful to me yeah and a lot of what was uh, going what they were going for in this era indeed yeah final thought for me is a is a short one but just uh there's also this uh I think agreement between the way the film is made and what the film is about in the Spielberg obsession with iconography mm-hmm. uh Obviously, it's a it's a Spielberg staple. It pops up other places, certainly in the Indiana Jones film. But the amount of of care given to introducing elements, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the build up to Indy that we see this part, we see his hat, we see his whip, we see the individual parts that build mm-hmm. him into an icon before he steps from the shadows mm-hmm. into the light. There's a build to his face. Uh the way the whip is introduced, like we were talking about with the Ben Burt sound effect, but the way it's uh, it, it is um, singled out and there's a spotlight put on it. Uh, mm-hmm. The importance of his of his silhouette—that's the thing that gets talked about with uh, with Star Wars. That mm-hmm. it's a part of what makes these characters uh, iconic, is they have these silhouettes and the, the interest in building Indy's silhouette. There's a ton of other examples where. Uh, the the characters that we're being introduced to now are elevated to this legendary, larger-than-life status. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like we're archaeologists, mm-hmm. and just like Indy is discovering the Ark, we're discovering Indy. Yeah. And, and I think it is a part of the power. I think it is. I think uh, particularly, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll say for, for anybody of any age, but I know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't lucky enough to see it in 81 but I, I have a lot of friends who are like 12 13 15 they saw it in the summer of 81 and it imprinted on them so deeply and i think part of that is 
an incredibly successful artistic manipulation to make you look up at the big screen in awe at Mm. Indiana Jones, the whip, the hat, the shadow, the fallible man that you still want to be. Mm. Uh, That is really a powerful part of this film. I absolutely think it is. I think that's one of the reasons I I do consider it so perfect in in, in a way. And yes, the bonus are getting there first, but it just... Just absolute art to everything you're talking about here. Uh, so thought of, so thought out, so purposeful. Yeah, really powerful. Um, I set aside here a moment for us to discuss the meaning of the title. I, I feel like we've we've dived into the Raiders part pretty thoroughly. Do you have anything else that you want to analyze about the title of the film? Well, it, it, as, as someone who is... Um, like I, I, I love. I'll make the jokes every now and then too. Of well, my day it was called Star Wars, not New Hope. But that's that that can get tiresome fast. Um, so not to sound like that there, but I, I, I've always just been a. Uh, it's it's the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It just that's what it is. But the change to Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, I actually think works for me now more than ever because I don't think Indy is one of them. So yeah, I think it does do a good job in separating them. Yeah, I, I think the title is is. Uh, Obviously, it evokes uh, old mm-hmm. adventure serial titles, old pulp titles. Uh, but the fact that it isn't, you know, Pursuit of the Lost Ark mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Discovery of the Lost Ark or Crisis of the Lost Ark or, or whatever, uh, it, it or Curse, mm-hmm. it, it's Raiders. It's the idea of should it be messed with? The title yeah. really invites you to analyze it uh, in that way. Uh, I know friends who are, are frustrated because like... Uh, they think calling it Indiana Jones and the Raiders, of the lost Ark is like calling it the empire in the empire strikes back. I'm like mm. he's already in the title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the threat is that he is one of the Raiders and he chooses not no. to be. Yeah. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I think it can also be analyzed is this is the story of how Indiana Jones does not become a Raider of this artifact. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, well, uh, if you're listening on Patreon, We're just going to roll through. But in the interest of uh, putting this on our public channel, we're going to take a quick break. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we're back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that break, uh, Patreon <laughs> listeners. Uh, we are going to go into uh, some of the thrill, the fun. And hey, is there meaning and depth in the thrill and the fun? Let's find out. Uh, let's talk favorite action moments, Ken, and how uh, uh, just brutally long is your list? Uh, super long. Super long. <laughs> I, at, at one point, I realized I was just writing down every scene. Uh, I really, <laughs> truthfully, that I'd be like, oh, I, that's not, not that's not where we're going. So, I, look, I do I do think you, you talked so beautifully about the, the opening sequence and what it means for Indy. Uh, it's, just, it's just, it's hard to... And yes, there's a lot of things to, to ask about it and all these themes we're talking about, but this is the moment where we get to just look at this intro. It's just it's just a movie in itself. And it's uh, Indy's first crack of the whip, the emergence of the shadows, like you said. I love that nothing works easily for him, right? Uh, he, every leap is almost disaster. Uh, he's turned on. Uh, Alfred Molina making his uh, theatrical uh, film debut, dropping the whip. Uh, we got... Uh, was it uh, Forstel, the the, mm-hmm. the former rival, little bit maybe also a former mental uh, mentor, finding uh, his body there? There's a, there's something in the script I was reading that the Indy uh, takes his uh, takes the skeleton, takes the body, and lays it down out of a sign of respect, and they cut that from the final thing for for time, pacing, and momentum, which I agree with. But there's all that there, and then then the rock chase. I mean, we could do a whole podcast just on this opening sequence, and it would be uh, worthy. Yeah, it, it 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 does. It just it really sets the stakes and it it sets the fun and uh, that the 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 great 
power of the unknown of like, that's what adventure is, right? Like you, you have to risk discomfort, fear, danger to pass through and, and, and find something joyful, uh, or, or, uh, golden mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. in this particular case. And I, and I think even the way it's shot. So everything is a uh, murky, dark covered with cobwebs, but then that idol is glowing in the center of the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much about it that that's great. So there is a meaning packed into, into all the action. Uh, I, I, I tried my best to just to write down individual, uh, beats mm-hmm. that, that really mm-hmm. spoke to me. Cause, uh, uh, half the film uh, is action and comedy. M- more yeah. than half the film. Uh, I actually wrote down more comedy moments. Uh, same, same. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and and th- this is what's one of the things that's so wonderful about this film. I had beat after beat where it's like, does that go in action or comedy? <laughs> same. Yeah, no, so funny. Yeah, and I'm sure we aren't the only ones. If they're this, it, it's uh, yes, yes. It's it's so true. They're And often they're just the same. They're just the same. Yeah. So mm-hmm. one of the first ones that I went to, y- you've already said, and maybe you have it in your, your, your comedy, uh, the, the, the fight in the bar in Nepal is, is really fun. Uh, there's just a straightforward gun battle. Uh, but the, the asking for whiskey and the hitting the guy in the head, I guess that is comedy and in yeah. action, but yeah, the way he delivers it, like he's ordering something at the bar. Uh, but, uh, mm-hmm. th- there there's initially with just like the 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 gunfire like cool this is great this is mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. a tribute to you know old westerns and adventure serials just uh, uh bullets whizzing uh probably some of the uh the the first um just canned sound effects that Ben Burt recognized as a kid and said yeah. what if we made new ones cuz this is so it it starts not boring at all but like ah oh, great and the the whiskey moment is like such a great subversion we know mm-hmm. that trope of of hitting hitting somebody over the head in, in a bar fight with the bottle yeah. and just the great subversion of it of of ordering it <laughs> uh from the bar from and her the, bar the, yeah. <laughs> yeah from her bar and then be, the behind the head hit it's yeah. a great action moment yeah, no, absolutely. And like I said earlier, it's it's uh, it's comedy, but I'll talk about it here for just like the, the the bullets go through the the keg and and she takes a sip before going to the oh. action. Just such a human moment, such a funny moment. Yep, that is absolutely great. Uh, the 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 burning hand, uh, uh, you know that that pays off later, and the the smoking in the snow. That's all great action as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. You get it going to just like hey, whatever you know, it, it, you know. Um, the, the, that this sequence being just a sample of, of the whole series. I mean, just what's going on with Tote and, 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 and that's a side thing. And then, yeah, it, it's played, it's painful, but it's played for a little bit of, aha, you, you got it, but then you don't pick up right away. You don't, you can't predict that that's going to be a, a plot point later on. It's just everything about it is great. It's just so wonderfully chaotic. The flames going, the, there's two versions of there's the, the coal flame and then there's the, the logs being knocked over. All those little beans work. Yeah, and it is it is the call to adventure. It is the the plot point that she's stuck there. Yeah, that maybe she doesn't want to be yeah. here. That that yeah. things have been really rough since Cindy left, and her father died, and and she is strong and getting by and suckering people with booze bets, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is one of the greatest scenes and one of the greatest character introductions in in the history of cinema, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but then that Indy is such a this is this is where he's really in line. One of those great moments where he's in line with the uh, cinematic James Bond. Not as true of the literary James Bond, but the cinematic James Bond of like the man walks into a place and it bursts into flames. Like he is, <laughs> <laughs> he's destructive. Like 
the yeah. that the action scene really is about burning down her her world because yeah. uh, he's the one who brings the Nazis there. Uh, yeah, speaking yeah. of affecting the plot, uh, yes, burns down her world and she's forced to uh, to leave the proverbial farm and go off on the adventure and be his goddamn partner. <laughs> I love that line. Just yeah. love that line. Uh, later on in the uh, in uh, in Egypt, uh, I, I I like Marion uh, having those great charming moments with the frying pan and the initial like ah, I got a weapon. Oh, you got a knife? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but still turning it around, turning again. I, the actual moments that speak to me are these sort of uh, subversions where she mm-hmm. is the stereotypical damsel in distress, uh, mm-hmm. running from yeah. this uh, assailant. Uh, and uses that to turn things around on him. Of like, you assume I'm just running in terror, but I'm yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, welcoming you into a frying pan trap and whack. Yeah, and that her figure, her six inch figure, we saw at celebration comes with that frying pan. <laughs> so. Damn it! Damn it! I didn't want to remember that. Damn it! <laughs> I took photos of all those figures. I just keep scrolling. One day I'll buy them. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, what else you got? Um, I uh, um. The escape from that well of souls. Uh, I, I love your thematic analysis of it. I think it's so true. Uh, it was. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of snakes either, so that that's always been a, a man. I'm glad I'm not there. Scene for me, which makes it just so much more fun. But it, it all it's it's a powerful a fun sequence. Such a it's a it's a little horror movie in, in this adventure movie. But it all ends with the flying wing fight, which I just absolutely love. Uh, Pat Roach. Uh, a lot of a lot of folks know who Pat Roach is. Uh, um, a professional wrestler turned turn actor turned stuntman uh, in Willow as well as this stuff. Uh, I just love everything about that fight. And I, one of the things I love about it is Indy fights dirty. He's a bit of a dirty fighter because he has oh, to yeah. kick it in the groin, kick some play and point it at the ground. Love that little trick, the dirt in the eyes. He he, he has to, and that's part of the joy of Indy, right? It, it, he just he's not he's not really cut out for this, but he's got to do it. Oh yeah, no that, that that is one of the the fights that is that just really cements the the charm mm-hmm. of Indiana Jones. Um, uh, I love the uh, absolutely cartoonish but extremely effective wobble knee punch. Yes, <laughs> like the the one punch in Indy would be like if there's any way I could leave this fight, I I would absolutely get out of it. Um, yes, uh, I, I I have it in comedy as well, but the just like. The way the the German mechanic, who's extra figure you can buy, mm-hmm. is excited by this opportunity. You know, taking the shirt off. It, it it isn't for him. Like, oh, I need to stop this guy's. Like, this is an opportunity to just pound this yank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Indy's Indy's seen him coming. Be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm coming. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, in my worst days working at Kinkos, I did that to customers. Of like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm coming. I'm coming. Uh, it's so funny of like this, this um, it's the, it, it, it's sort of acknowledging the, the, the artifice of it almost acknowledging the dance of it of like, yeah, I know you're not going to let me do what I need to do without mm-hmm. trying to kill me. So I, yeah, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll climb down and we'll do this. Uh, it's right. so funny. Mm-hmm. The wobble knee punch uh, is great. The joy mm-hmm. of the fight is great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, jumping back for just a second, I, I, the 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 snakes in the fire is great. I really like the the one specific shot where uh, he he's climbing up to the the jackal statue and surprised by the snake in the in the mouth and does mm. the uh, the head turn the head twist with the with the fire in the mouth is great. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah, no, just uh, that, yeah, there, yeah. There's some comedy stuff we can talk about too, but it's just uh, it's just so classic. And again, the bonus of getting there first is sometimes can be used against these things where. Uh, you know, classic sitcom. sitcom wasn't as great as you thought it was. It just was first. I understand that. That that's not the case. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. Yeah, no. The editing, the tension, everything about it. Going back to that flying uh, wing fight, like Frank Marshall is the pilot. Everything about it with with Marion and her. There's a great moment when she realizes what's about to happen, and she's locked in there. And there's a real just oh no, like uh, everything about it. Just ah, it's a textbook uh, template setter. Yeah. There's so much that's fun about Indy's Indy's fight uh, with the German mechanic um, that we're talking about, and I think it, it really solidifies what I what I love about Indy, where it feels like this isn't an opportunity to prove himself. This is a horrendous thing he just needs to get through to get what he actually wants. I think mm-hmm. it really solidifies that. I think there's honestly some of his sort of morality in it. Of this is not about ego this is just about something that needs to get done and i always so caught up in that i forget that uh that marion just opens fire on the nazis with an airplane machine gun which is also pretty damn cool yeah it slides into the back uh you know uh cockpit for that there the the, the gun turret yeah it's it's uh it's a wonderful sequence of violence against nazis <laughs> yep it really is. It really is. Uh, that, that is perhaps the big moral of all Indiana Jones is bleep Nazis. <laughs> Love it. Um, uh, uh, getting into the uh, epic uh, truck chase. A um, mm. oh, couple yes. things that I really, really love in that um, is uh, I think it's one of the best sort of uh, sequences of out of the frying pan into the fire of that guy. Mm. They're in the snakes. They the, the pit with the snakes, the well of souls. They, they escape. Uh, they fight the German mechanic. They accidentally blow up their own <laughs> yeah. means of transportation. Uh, uh, just a brief break. And then truck. What truck? And gotta go after it. Um, it, it. It's really firing on all cylinders with the adventure serial thrill of, oh, it keeps getting bigger. It keeps getting more. Uh, but I really love Indy's glee at ramming the Nazis. I think it starts with mm-hmm. the motorcycle when he sees the motorcycle in the side view yeah. mirror and like, I'm going to ram you. <laughs> and it happens again and again. And it is one of those moments of, of mm-hmm. charm where this is the moment, you know, we've been talking about of like, how much is he, how much is, is this a story of he, he feels the need to put on the jacket and be a man. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's what this is. I think this is like, mm-hmm. I, hate nazis <laughs> i hate yeah. being in this having to do this uh mm-hmm. but i got one up on him finally i finally got one up on him uh, that's the way i interpret the glee how do you feel about the glee no, i i think you're right because one of the some of the things i was reading about and mentioning earlier I, i'm not here to debate or argue them at all i think there's definitely a classic sense of of masculinity all through harrison ford mm-hmm. and all through indiana jones and han solo and everything without a doubt but I think when you really look at it closely, again, that's what I say, this adventurer for good, uh, who he's fighting and why he's doing it. I think if he could avoid all of this, he would. He doesn't want any of this. He doesn't want Belog chasing him. He, does, he wants to get in and out of there with that idol. And, and, and he wants to get, just get the arc to safety. He wants to get married. He doesn't want to do any of this. And therefore, it's, I, I think you can view it a little bit different than I think I've seen some of the writings about it, um, to, to be you know, honest. Um, and so I love that the glee is it's them. It's not that this is who I would just do this to anybody. I'm, I'm doing this to them, um, Mm -hmm. in the moment. 
So I love it. And it's also just a great, it's a great, come on, Harrison's winning smile as he's doing that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So good. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I know it is like one of the marquee moments, but the, the trip under the truck and back, uh, just mm. every element of that, every shot of that, the, uh, the, wow, that's a really cool action scene, but also like the fun in the absurdity of it, of just going full circle around the truck and doing the same thing to the yeah. driver is, is yeah. great. Yeah, no, great sequence. You get Vic Armstrong, his stunt double there. You got Peter Diamond, uh, right, working on some of the stunts in this film, uh, coordinating as well. Just it's class. That is classic Hollywood stuff right there. I love yeah. these uh, these uh, these filmmakers who are now classics themselves. We're like, hey, 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 what if we did this? <laughs> what if we did this like Ben Hur chariot chase sequence? Like, what if we did some fun? Yeah, it, it just and, and the joy of of them all putting that together is just comes through. Yeah, and the history of just British entertainment because uh, mm-hmm. you know Peter Diamond did did stunt work for Doctor Who, so like it's great to be watching Doctor Who and like you see Peter Diamond, and, like oh somebody's gonna get punched because Peter Diamond is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, final sort of action thing for me is just uh, you know appreciating. Uh, you think of Indiana Jones as big action adventure, and then the the truck chase is the last big set piece mm-hmm. uh, in terms of indie throwing punches uh but the the last big set piece is the 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 lightning and the melting how do you feel about that is that one of your things that you look forward to uh did it scare you as a kid where are you at with it now i mean come on you know me I, everything scared me as a kid i mean it was horrendous. <laughs> uh, horrendous um yeah it's interesting to say that because i often and this is a film you know like like you and so many listening have watched time and time again, but there was a point maybe in the nineties when I'd put in the old VHS tapes of this and I would almost forget that the truck sequence existed. It was almost like, Oh yeah. Cause I would maybe skip over that and get to the end. Um, so the truck sequence has some value to me uh, as well. And also, Oh, the Sears catalog. Did you ever collect the indie miniatures back in the day? No, there, there were, and, and they'd be in the Sears wish book, the Sears catalog. And they mm-hmm. don't, someone out there is more of a toy uh, expert in terms of, of the Indiana Jones figures and stuff. Uh, there was kind of some of the failed Kenner lines along the way, but this was like almost the miniature similar to the star Wars ones, but it was this, it was the, it was the digging scene. So it was a little bit of the well souls might've had, might've had the flying wing there too, but it had the trucks and the horse and Indy on the horse. And, mm-hmm. That elevated this this scene because I think there's other scenes, I, the action sequences I love more in this film. But that that so it, it was this always this when I remember oh yeah we got the truck trace chasing it was a bonus sequence that then leads to everything else and everything else after that is um, is gravy to me. The final sequence is 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 more scary. It's more thrilling. It's more spiritual. Uh, and I, and I almost overlook it as an action sequence too. Talk, talk, talking about the final stuff with the arc. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. The, there's this rumbling of the supernatural. Everybody's warning mm-hmm. about it. That wind seems supernatural. The Indy, you're getting close to uh, to digging it up. <laughs> the skies mm-hmm. turn foul and lightnings go. And, uh, and this is the explosion, I think, at the time. You know, if you watch any uh, ILM uh, documentary, this is, you know, one of the uh, the, the places along the path. Of uh, of them having fun developing this, both the the ghosts and the melting. Mm-hmm. It is the history of '80s cinema. Uh, you know, people who, who who like '80s cinema, who grew up with '80s cinema, is like, hey, 
Uh, Blue Mist. <laughs> uh, here we go. Here we go. Blue Mist. Uh, that is uh, the the main star of films from the 80s. Uh, yes. Blue CGI Mist. Not CGI. Special effects Mist. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's all that value in it. Uh, but I really do like the, the it's been, it, the film's explicitly playing with light and dark from Belloc's uh, speech to mm. all of the, the shadows and stepping into the light and that contrast of it. It looks beautiful. And mm. then it turns into nope. Um, that, that moment is great. Um, the melting, uh, I saw, I don't even know how I saw it. I don't know why I saw it, but somehow I knew about that melting, probably saw pictures of it in Starlog magazine. Right. Uh, before I saw the film, I think, I think that was one of the things that probably made my parents be like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know about this one. Yeah. Um, but for me, the, just the initial lightning going through the souls of the Nazis, that mm. the, that shot, even more than the melting, is like, yeah, there's something powerful. <laughs> yeah. Something powerful about that. Like, you want to pervert this yeah. thing that wants to be left alone. Uh, and and a, 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 a joyful fantasy of, like, n- no Nazis, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and just uh you know indy picking up on what's going on and closing his eyes love it yeah great stuff uh any other action moments before we move to comedy uh more of the same with comedy uh but no we can we can start laughing ah there's so much comedy and it is tied in with the action i'll, I'll throw this out here my uh, i didn't write as as much down in action about that first uh, sequence, which is some of the most famous action in cinema, because uh, I was just uh, obsessed with this one moment that I always forget is coming, but I love is when Indy uh, makes the leap uh, across the chasm without the whip, uh, and he gets a hold of that that branch in the smile it's the, before the branch gives. Right? It's the best, man. It, it, those are the things that make Indy, man. Right? Mm-hmm. Those are absolutely the things that make Indy, and, and and why I would would be rebuff some of the conversation about what the character represents and maybe some people can take what he represents the wrong way completely possible because trust me that happens all through media but i'd love that smile i love that laugh the i did it oh no you didn't oh it's everything to me and it and it isn't about like ego or cockiness right it, it's about like i just want to <laughs> live survive I just want to get out of here alive uh it isn't Yes, I absolutely agree and would love to read more. Like, there's a ton about Indy that is a celebration of masculinity. Mm-hmm. However he feels about it, he puts on the, the mm-hmm. leather and he talks tough and he punches and he makes his way out. And, he, mm-hmm. and he, uh, he's got an, an eye and a lot more for the ladies. And that, that is very present in Temple of Doom and in Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, to, to me, it often feels like the heart of the character is that really... I just want to get through my day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, uh, it, it is one of those moments I talk about this with Star Wars too. It feels so relatable. Like I have never in an ancient temple in Peru tried to leap over a chasm, but I feel like I've lived this moment. I mm-hmm. feel like I've gotten an email and like the first line makes me think it's going to be good news and I'm smiling and then I get to the next line like, oh no, uh, that is what this feeling is. Yeah, I love that you highlighted that. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, what's your first comedy moment? I, I put Alfred Molina's uh, spider back there. Uh, sub, uh, sub, how do you say his name? Sapato, Sapato I think. Um, yeah. I, I am also, I'm better with spiders than I used to be. Um, uh, maybe because my job in the house is to remove spiders from it. So I <laughs> use them a little bit more. Uh, I just, 
I again and 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 this could have this this type of comedy beat might be used elsewhere and 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 maybe driven in the ground, but it just works for me here. Uh, that the especially a character that's kind of like, hey, one spider, I'm here to help you, and not realizing. Uh, the danger they're in or the potential danger the spiders might not be doing anything, but uh, you know what I mean? Like it just, so it's so his character. It's so the moment. And, and I love everything about it. It's, it's just great. And it's as a kid, it terrified me. Terrifying and funny. And uh, in that uh, 2008 doc, uh, Alfred Molina tells a really funny story about how they accomplished that and mm. it being his sort of uh, his first shot and he'd never done film before. <laughs> <laughs> And, wow. and, you know, the length they went to for it, uh, you know, almost not work. Mm. It, we, we've said it a couple of times, but I, I think it is one of those like this is, uh, you know, an absolute classic of cinema by one of the most successful directors mm-hmm. uh, ever. But it is so heartening to hear all the moments where it almost didn't work. Yeah. Where you had to push real hard. It's, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I think people who are creating need to hear that and remember that that um, these things are not foretold. Uh, everybody runs into problems. I absolutely, I'm in a period of my uh, career where I need to be reminded of this, <laughs> of the, of the risk taken. And um, th- the film itself was a leap across and a smile as things start to fail. <laughs> and, <then you> know, <laughs> <laughs> and it all comes together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we, we probably just haven't said the name Lawrence Kasdan enough. Obviously the initial mm-hmm. idea is Lucas uh, Spielberg's uh, direction, the, the people he hired, the, the cinematography, Ben Burt, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, absolute charm of Harrison Ford and Karen Allen, but Lawrence Kasdan, uh, Lucas even says it in, in the, the, that documentary as well about like he, Larry just took it to another level. He gave it all of this comedy and mm-hmm. all of this charm. Uh, and all, all that rambling, I, maybe maybe Lawrence Kasdan didn't come up with this. I don't know that lore. But the love you eyes are just a, a fascinating detail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talk about um, uh, audiences kind of obsessing on plot of like, why, why, is, why is this episode here? What does it do, right? Um, the, the, the love you eyes could almost be looked at as like, what's that filler moment there for? It doesn't advance the plot. And like, mm-hmm. that girl never comes back. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but the sheer amount of flavor, charm, information that we get from the way Indy reacts to it, the mm-hmm. the like great over the topness of it, like to think through what what <laughs> that that young woman got up that day and said, "What am I going to do today?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, love you on my eyelids and blink at him until he sees it uh, and see how he reacts. It's so great. Yeah. And I was, I, there was some notes about that possibly being quote unquote improvised, which still means they had to plan that maybe on the set. Someone said, Hey, what about this? But I think that's what I love about cast and script is, is there's a lot of room for um, the performances. There's a lot of, of room for the energy. And, and that was part of uh, maybe, maybe the doc covered this. I need, I need to re- refresh myself on the doc you're talking about. I, I have that, D- that DVD set, but that part of Harrison's negotiations for this was that we, he'd have the, um, ability to rewrite his dialogue which is mm. fascinating but all, none of that takes away from Kasdan it, it, it's it's amazing uh, uh, good old Larry was a month into his professional screenwriting career when uh, Spielberg kind of said this 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 kid's got something he's got some moxie uh, and then they go have this uh, like 
nine day meeting at, at, at uh, Spielberg's assistant's office in Sherman Oaks. They meet there for like a certain amount of days to get it all out. And Lawrence Katzen goes, I realized they had a lot of big set pieces, but they just needed me to connect them all in this kind of like <laughs> down, like you know, almost a self-loathing kind of like, ah, I was just there to connect them. But that is tremendously difficult. And then to have all these incredibly difficult. Yes. And have all these amazing set pieces and that some of them, as, as, as we all know from the lore, go on to to other uh, the other films, especially at Temple of Doom. Um, it's, it's just, it, yeah, uh, there's a reason he ended up having the career he had from this point on. And that the reason George goes, hey, I also got some space stuff you might might need to help me with. here. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, mean, I don't know, like I said, I don't know the lore of the love you eyes and, and if mm-hmm. that was a, a, a Lawrence Kasdan thing, but I, I really like your point that he really captured that tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, and it does have overlapping qualities with everything else he's, he's touched. You can, you can feel empire and return of the Jedi and solo and force awakens in this. There's, they just mm-hmm. kind of a, a turn of phrase and a, a, a both a, a, a warmth and a snark at the same time, and a, in a deep understanding and connection to the kind of mm-hmm. banter of uh, of films gone by that that Lawrence Kazan is just a master of. Mm-hmm. And I, I love I love the way that Indy reacts to the the way it's shot. Where it's like, did I did I see that? And she's like, uh huh, you did. <laughs> yeah, and it and it and, it, and he he isn't. Uh, James Bond. He doesn't smile and give you uh, talk to you after class eyes. He stumbles and mm-hmm. gets him off of his train of what he's talking about. Yeah, and I think that tells us a lot about the character. I, I agree with you there, absolutely. Uh, what are other comedy moments for you? Um, all right, we got so uh, Marion out drinking the Australian climber. This this intro to the scene. I mean, we we talked about a lot. It's just it, it's just perfect, but just. Talk about pacing and uh, the, the beats just playing out perfectly and everything about her at the moment. It, it is it is a celebration of Karen Allen, the, the, the performer, and what she brought to uh, Marion. Uh, even when when, when uh, Major Tote comes in and, you know, he's in his freaky way. Uh, didn't Dr. Jones tell you other, other people will be coming here? I uh, must have slipped his mind. Uh, again, the ter- taking the drink from the keg. Everything about mm-hmm. her character in that moment—it's it, 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 one of those classic. This is why this is one of those films taught in screenwriting classes, as I was in 1994. Of just every little beat has some wonderful purpose to it, whether it was made up on the set or written into it. It all comes together. That's how these things are made, and, and I just I love that. But it, the 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 look on his face, the Australian climber's face, as he slowly passes over, has been has been one of my favorite comedy beats my entire life. The the tip over is hilarious, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I could go on about uh, Henri Bergson's uh, philosophy of comedy of the, uh, the 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 mechanical, the encrustation of the mechanical versus the lawn vital, like that that I- idea uh, that it, we are uh, organic flowing creatures, but rigidity creeps in, and like that to me is a lot of the comedy of that kind of uh, uh, body language mm-hmm. where. He's frozen in the moment where he thinks he had victory. Yes. <laughs> Rigid. Yes. Yes. Collapsing. It's uh, uh, it's incrustation. Uh, yeah. It, I, I had that on my list too of Marion taking the drink from the whiskey barrel. I, that's that's great to know uh, that that moment uh, sings to you as well. Yeah. Uh, absolutely great stuff. Uh, s- some of this comedy list is is weird because there's like yeah no that's uh it's one of the most famous jokes in cinema like right. Uh, what a revelation! But how can you not include him? The 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 gunshot to the swordsman is mm-hmm. 
And and I know the whole lore of it was supposed to be a thing, but everybody had various horrible right. stomach bugs. Uh, there's quite a story uh, 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 from uh, the, the actor of Solo, uh, Jonathan Reese davies about that. Um, but it, it, that, it, it, it's just, it's another mo- one of those moments that helps solidify India of like, I'm not in this to prove anything. Mm-hmm. The violence is a thing I have to do right. to get past it to the goal. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's comedy and there's character. How do you feel about it? I love, it's one of those things you're right. It's so just, um, it's one of the first things as a young uh, kid in the eighties, you learn of some of the lore. Yeah. Indy was pooping his pants through that scene. Do you know that? And, and that's why they did it. And then they, they shot the scene and got the uh, venerable uh, stunt performer, Terry Richards, I believe his name is, um, who uh, talked about the English connection appeared in, in a lot of other things that uh, we talk about and love. Um, so I love it. But what I love now, appreciate it more than anything, is uh, Andy does that. Um, and the villagers rejoicing in the background. The sword's been done. <laughs> as if they've been freed. <laughs> there's just mm-hmm. a, there's a whole story going on there with that guy. And it's fantastic. And I believe they made a figure of that guy back in the day, too. That's yes, cool. they did. Mm-hmm. Act it out, kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was great. Um, the the torture device coat hanger. Um, that's one that I that I sometimes forget about. Is it is it's coming up? And I really wanted to highlight that because it is it's well shot, well orchestrated. Uh, but you and I talk about this with, with comedy a lot of how much the power is often in the reaction and mm-hmm. Belloc and uh, Marion's reaction absolutely sells the joke. The the shot mm-hmm. where they're in terror. And then the, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. The reaction mm-hmm. is what sells this joke. I absolutely think you're right. Absolutely right. And uh, uh, a little little insight into Belog's relationship with them all, right? Not defending that uh, that guy, but it's <laughs> just a love that. Love that. Yep. 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 Like, yeah. And Belog's always, you know, thinking he can he can get past them. He can one-up them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other moments for you? Uh, another classic. This is one my, my pal Mark Riley and I uh, quote to each other randomly on Tuesdays. Bad dates. Just uh, love uh, that sequence. Again, talking about tensions. That's not comedy. It's tension. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Sala just always breaking into song. I am the monarch of the sea. Just the whole sequence there. Um, I've always uh, considered it one of my favorite little on-screen beats and jokes. Yeah, no, it's, I, I'm, I, my only qualm is that, you know, uh, I got to feel bad that a monkey in a little jacket dies. But besides that, <laughs> yeah, I, agree. I, mean, I know he's a, a bad monkey. Uh, and <laughs> some of that comedy, the communication with his, with his handler, where the monkey's like, can I leave? And, the, and there's mm-hmm. like, no, 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 stay, stay, yeah, stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the monkeys, it's, yeah. I, 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 you know, look, I understand Indy burning snakes as well, but, you know, I'm always trying to protect the animals. But uh, it, is a, it is a Nazi uh, sympathizing monkey. And, and I do <laughs> enjoy the, the Zig Heil scene is uh, funny in a way because it, it, it just, I don't know. I, I wonder in a way it like it, it takes any power from that symbol away when like the, the, the Nazi agent kind of sees the monkey do it and, ha- and goes, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. To go back. It's just, it like uses comedy to undercut this horrible thing to me. And I've always enjoyed that. Beat. I think it's a long tradition starting with what was when the, you know, the Nazis were, uh, were in power is you take away people's power by, by mocking it, uh, mm-hmm. particularly, um, uh, uh, some something as self-serious and certain about their power and their righteousness as the as the Nazis, and I think a, a fascinating conversation that um, 
we have mocked Nazis for so long and turned them into a comedy joke that uh, that that is almost, I think, a part of the problem of getting younger generations to fully understand the reality of them because they seem like cartoon villains. If you right. don't if you don't look harshly into the truth of what they were mm-hmm. uh, that the, that this um, things like the great like th- this is ridiculous Let, let's make fun of them uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the monkey's fate is also like hey you look at you the the, the monkey is a uh, collateral damage that they don't care about um, mm-hmm. that's what you get when you <laughs> sign up with with Nazis monkey uh, but the, this idea that something to take their power away in an interesting way, maybe sometimes makes it harder to try to communicate to younger generations of like, we did this to, to undermine the true terror and you must respect the true terror. Yeah. Yeah. And and this this is the Spielberg center conversation we have of just like how he goes from, even from 1941 and comedy and indie and last crusade. And then eventually it's like, I, I, I'm going to do Schindler's list. I'm going to do saving private Ryan. And I'm going to approach some of this, these bigger themes in, in more serious ways. Not saying it was like, he felt he needed to do it or something, but it's just the growth and his progression of, of just like, Hey, let me also remind you of what this is all about. Yeah. What this has always been about. And we're, yeah, we're going to get even, even more indie punching Nazis and dial of destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other uh, comedy moments for me. Um, I love it in the tent uh, when when Marion is sort of released and invited to dinner and she's got that sort of like haughty, I'm above this all walk, but she's doing it on her knees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just a great little mm-hmm. comedy beat. Yeah. Um, uh, w- when you were saying you and Riley quote, uh, quote something. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking you, you were maybe going to go to the, the moment with uh, Indy in the well when he says ha 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 <laughs> that is such a like Harrison moment and if Han Solo could, could swear a little bit more if he was if Han Solo was an Andor that'd be his line I love that line I love that yeah the whole thing asps very dangerous you go first Solo's great John Reese davis mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, Toad's line of you Americans are all the same overdressing for the wrong occasions I, I just I love that line <laughs> yeah yeah and it is uh, this this uh yeah, just awful, weird little man who seems to love torture, like being very like, but but the way I dress is yeah. appropriate for every occasion. Like, all right, do you think you're dressed appropriately when you have to take your hat off in the yes. <laughs> on the island and mop your bald head? Yeah, okay, okay. You, bring, you bring him up um, and he's a, he's a bad man. He's a, he's a villain. When Indy has the bazooka, I, I don't know if I've ever really paid attention to it. That whole sequence, Tote sits down. As if like, oh, God, yeah, like he's like uh, wiping his head and everything. like I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm not made for this. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> I got my hand burned. Jeez, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, in in the list of utterly iconic, but you can't pass up. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. It is, yeah. and it and it comes at such a great moment uh, in the film where he just he can't give up. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I absolutely love that. What's your relationship to to that one? Is that is that loom large in your I'm, in your legend? I, I, I as as you know, and and, and people listeners, long time listeners, I probably relate to it too much. Where I just I just um, uh, have trouble uh, abiding any plans because I just like well, it didn't work for Indy, so <laughs> just like I, I have to make sure <laughs> I don't live this line too much. It's just uh, it's it's always been one of my favorites and one of the, one of the things I love about Indy. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely great captures uh, that spirit, and I and I think captures that that 
reality of life to me of I, I am a planner. I do like to plan. I think there are some things that uh, you can set yourself up for a better result. You can make things easier for other people around you mm-hmm. uh, by planning. But plans are never 100%. They always change. They always have a crack. Mm-hmm. And you have to also be willing to embrace this spirit of, I don't know, I'm making this up as I go. The plan didn't work or the plan changed. And now I have to just be like, th- this to me is like the spirit of of what was fun uh, for me when I did improv comedy of like, this is jumping off the cliff and figuring out how you land. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, as much as as writing can be planning, that's the hardest thing about starting to write something is you're throwing yourself off a cliff and while you are writing, you figure out how you're going to land. Even if you have the most detailed outline, yeah. you're going to get to an Indiana Jones moment where you're like, oh, wait, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm making this up as I go. You're, it's literally what you're doing, no matter how much you plan. And, and it's, I think it's a, a thing that's lost in, in a lot of the art and screenwriting discussion and, and, and why I bristle against the, was it planned? Mm-hmm. There's no plan that's foolproof. We're mm-hmm. creators are, creating things mm-hmm. out of thin air you're always going to get to an indie point and you should embrace it like indie does yeah yeah no no well said indeed and yeah even in, in stand-up one of uh, the guiding principles i try to get to and i fail a lot is because because of fear but as uh, one comic famous comic i forget one said uh but alice and i always say to each other is is uh, the set list is just back up and, and, and that's not also true. You know, you got to have a set list. You got to know where you're going. But like that, that spirit, it's a spirit thing. Sometimes you just got to jump on a horse and chase a truck. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, going from iconic to one of the lines I don't feel it quoted as much, it really cracks me up is uh, uh, the ship captain Katanga saying, I've heard a lot about you. Your appearance is just as I imagined. And then he himself laughing. <laughs> it's one of those great underdog moments of of Indiana Jones, and it sort of reframes it where we sort of see like uh, he he's he's beat up the leather jacket and the hat and the whip, and he's so cool, and like to be seen from the outside of like you massive bleep up, <laughs> like I I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's it's the truth. Yeah, uh, just just a, a couple more for me. I'll kick it back to you. To the Marion's classic line of, well, God damn it, Indy, where doesn't it hurt? That mm-hmm. whole sequence. Great. I love that that is in some ways the big romance sequence. <laughs> he falls asleep. Yes. That, that's another one that undercuts the sort of like Indy as a temple to masculinity. Um, yeah. Th- that's not a James Bond thing. Uh, maybe more modern Bond storytelling or literary Bond uh, mm-hmm. would fall asleep from injuries, but but not cinematic bond for the majority of, of his career th- this is something different to undercut it of like no he's he's too tired he's too beat up yeah um yeah well, uh w- w- what are your what are your feelings talking about iconic lines of it it's not the years honey it's the mileage is that also an important part of your life <laughs> it's, it's now is right but it's one of those lines of uh that at the time uh you know, i'm seeing this when i'm six and seven and i don't necessarily connect to it but now i definitely feel it uh, and I love that. And, 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 you know, and Harrison's so young in this film too. <laughs> yeah. In, in comparison. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah it, it, it's so good, especially when it would be a great, you know, cool guy line at the beginning of the film. But like, we just went through that with him. We just saw the mileage yeah. of yeah. like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, final one for me is, is uh, another great moment of kind of subverting the, the tropes of the steel uniform. I love the jacket that doesn't fit bit. I do. And I was thinking too, it's like, have we seen that 
had had we seen that before? I don't think so. And that was kind of playing with the trope, like you said. And and if it shows up uh, again, it's it's probably referenced Indiana Jones more than anything else now, right? So I I, I love it. It's so perfect. So great. Yeah. Absolutely great. Um, any other uh, comedy moments for you? I kind of gobbled up some of the big mm, iconic no. ones, but I want to make sure we're not leaving anything on the table that you yeah. wanted to talk about. Now, you mentioned truck. What truck? Love the energy behind that. Uh, I mentioned the Mercedes thing, reading into a little bit of uh, that was a, uh, it's a very real world history of uh, Mercedes at the time and their involvement <laughs> with uh, what was going on in World War II, we'll just say. And Spielberg kind of putting that in there with the symbol breaking on purpose is kind of a, a little, um, little uh-huh. dick. Um, I didn't know that, Laura. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I just kind of like that. You know, Steven, Steven's, he's got some messages in his films. <laughs> yep. And uh, boy, I'll say it again. It might not be for, for all listeners, but man, did I love uh, The Fablemans. I loved it as a film mm-hmm. and, and I loved it as a, a lot of insight on this creator that, that we've all spent a long time with. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so moving on from comedy, uh, I think we've done it. We cracked the two hour mark. We'll be uh, wrapping up here uh, pretty soon. Is there anything that you struggle with or question? Do you want to examine uh, some of the the ways in which maybe the film is uh, of its time in 1981 or maybe of its time <laughs> from the 30s and 40s being updated into what was then the modern day? Well, uh, well actually, that's one of the key points. And this is, uh, you know, I don't have any great insight on it, but we're, we're, we're looking at a film made in 1981 that was about a story told in 1936, which, by the way, was only 45 years prior. So, you know, yeah, we do a movie today. It's 1978. Uh, that's the about. mileage. Yeah. Uh, so one of those things. Uh, and I do believe this is a perfect film for the time and it's a perfect film in terms of studying and how to make this stuff and not that you not that you want to just copy everything here but and that you need to learn the the Sid Field three-act structure and memorize every page number but it, it has that kind of stuff but I also it's important to keep the context and even I think I'm struggling with how to address like some of the stuff with Indy and, and, and Marion because I, I think it's all valuable and it's all about how we've changed as a society and look at some of this stuff uh, and it wouldn't it didn't probably raise any eyebrows in 1981, but it definitely wouldn't have raised eyebrows in 1936. I'm not saying the creators had, had that in mind. Like, uh, well, the fact she was 15 or 16, it, it didn't matter. You know, it, it just we've changed and we should look at it differently. But this film was made at a it was put together in the 70s. And I think I, I do think context is, is important when you're going to hold the hold any film to the fire. Um and, and, and I think that's a good starting point. And my big thing is, um, I was reading some of the stuff, and I think you mentioned uh, some of the Karen Allen stuff, is if you do this same film now, and we had never heard of Indiana Jones, I think the balance between Indy and Marion would be way more even. Now, this mm-hmm. is his movie. It's, it's, it's his title. Uh, his name's in the title. Um, so it's his movie, so to speak. But she starts so strong. As I said, I absolutely think one of the best interests of a character ever. And she ends a little more tropey than I think I would want and definitely more tropey than Karen Allen wanted. Um, mm-hmm. But she's even said it's it's still an iconic role. Uh, I think she still rises above the tropes. A lot of stuff you're saying in, in the in the flying wing fight, a lot of stuff in the end, uh, a lot of even her end beat with Indy. She's the one who maybe gets the, has the bigger picture more than him at it. Um uh, so I definitely think it's one of those times that was very uh, much made in a specific time. But even Karen Allen has said is, is over the years, the amount of people, the amount of young women, uh, girls, uh, anyone who's come up to her and said they've taken so much great inspiration from this line, uh, from this character and all the lines and all the beats and all the moments and how she does does rise above it in a way similar to, to Leia. 
that still was in a time, right? But mm-hmm. Harry Fisher imbued so much of herself into that and grew into uh, that, took the role, but even I think, I think continued to grow into more of Princess Leia in interviews and everything. And you watch Carrie Fisher in, promoting the film in 77 versus some of this stuff later on, some of the interviews in the early 80s where she's like, no, she's a, she is a self-rescuing princess. She's very much of the galaxy. And there's so many wonderful things that I think Carrie grew with the role. Um, we didn't get that chance with, with Marion Ravenwood. She doesn't come back till 2008. And I actually think that's unfortunate, though I actually don't mind that Andy's got a little bit of the Bond thing with going on. But um, she's such a powerful character. But I just do think it would be more balanced now. And, 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 you, and you can't go back and change that. You can't go back and, and, and remake it. Um, you can only go forward with the character. Yeah, and, and I'm really looking forward to getting to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and, and looking at that. And I feel like they're the, it, it seems so far from the trailers of Dial of Destiny that it is about uh, Indiana Jones' legacy and the legacy of these films in, in lots of ways. And mm-hmm. I think it is important uh, that there's a new character that is there and prominent. But I, I really agree with and, and echo everything you said about Marion, I uh, uh, love this film. We spent over two hours talking about how great it is. Uh, Lucas is a hugely important uh, part of my understanding of uh, of art, of the world, and inspiration. Spielberg is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, but I think it's also uh, good and healthy to say, well, but they're also, uh, they're fallible, they're human, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I believe uh, I was uh, reading that it was, Marshall Lucas who suggested that ending with Marion of like Marion needs some resolution mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. of she got what she wanted that she wanted this relationship back that she saw who he really was or could become and wanted this relationship and it does this give this great um mm-hmm. completion to some of the themes and and doesn't leave Marion uh out in the cold at the end of the film but I agree with you that it is very similar to to Leia of hugely powerful the the uh the the charm the wit the amount of action that the character does get to do and 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 how uh she comes to life when she's got the frying pan she's going for the knife she's got the machine gun she's not backing down um is extremely powerful but yes also you can look at it and go uh but if the film was made today um like we've said about uh star wars uh if the film was made today uh, when Leia comforts Luke about losing Ben, there'd mm-hmm. maybe be an acknowledgement that this is a strength that she is sharing to say, right. I lost my entire planet, but I will bury that and I'll be there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can give it that reading, um, but it, I think if it was made in a modern way, the film would make that reading explicit to give weight to that choice. And that's just like one example of of agreeing with you about these characters being... Hugely influential, iconic, important, but also still of their time. Yeah, and it's and it's okay to be of your time. It's it, it's important to not stay in your time. <laughs> yeah, they they were a step forwards, yeah. <laughs> steps forward, uh, but the journey it, it was not and is not done. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. for me, yeah. and I, I think with the with the age thing in in particular, uh, for me, I think there are moments in Indiana Jones, there are moments in Star Wars where. Uh, what is thrilling, vital, important, interesting about the the stories of the past of, of films of the past uh, gets updated and, and brought into this uh, what was the present in 1981 when the film came out, um, and and sometimes they take some baggage with them 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I feel like the sort of like, this is, this is classic romance, tough guy, uh, you know, banter of, yeah, I never meant to hurt you. I was a child. I was in love. It was wrong. And you knew it. You knew what you were doing. Uh, that, that, that is definitely pulling from the past, but, uh, what, what are you pulling up from the past with it? And like we talked about a lot, I think it, I think it does have meaning. I think it does have relevance. I think, um, I think that we are meant to question, uh, Indy's morality in this, mm-hmm. but you pair that also with, with, you know, Lucas saying we want him to be a role model. I think it is hard that we have gone, in my opinion, in culture from just acknowledging that there are awful things that men do. And I grew up with the kind of shrug of like, mm-hmm. yeah, you'd, you'd hear in the news or just in life. Like, yep, yep. That that 71 year old <laughs> married yeah. a 22 year old. Yeah. Yeah. But that that there, there's that sort of agreement of like, well, that's not right. But men are going to do it. Right. Yeah. Eh? Yep. Um, yeah. And I think we have evolved to the point of like going uh, of saying this is actually that that age difference does really make a uh, a difference. It is something that needs to be examined and, and taken seriously. And I think that the the line that stabs for me is, you knew what you were doing mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is is difficult because I think that is something that is now rightfully being thoroughly examined of we have power imbalances and this is that that's a hand wavy way to uh, avoid having that difficult and important conversation to say, eh, you know what you're doing. You're shown, yeah. Boys will be boys. Yeah. Boys will be boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like I said, uh, uh, I, I wrestle with it. Uh, I'm not uh, condemning the film and saying it shouldn't be watched by any means. Yeah. yeah. Uh, everything is an artifact of its time. And I do think it has, uh, I uh, can embrace it more by going, Indy's wrong, in my opinion, and this is a part of the arc of his character. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, much smaller thing, and it also is just uh, the, the, the march of progress and high resolution. There's there's some pretty bad makeup on one of the antagonists in Marion's Bar that's, that's much more <laughs> glaringly clear in high resolution. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which one is, cause, cause Pat Roach is in that scene too, but I, yeah, but there's some, don't think it's Pat Roach. I don't know yeah, who it is, but it's, it's like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. 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 I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's, that's all, that's just hey. like a whole thing. I, I finally got the James Bond movies on, on Blu-ray and it, all of those sequences for from for the Bond intros, particularly through the the sixties, seventies, early eighties, were always like they were titillating because of all of the silhouettes and the shadows and all all this. And like that's that uh, in high resolution, that, that's just a nipple party that would have never been <laughs> allowed in in you know in, in the cinema without a different rating. And it is yeah. it's just uh, yeah. to me, it is uh, in really fascinating to watch this like we're gonna make everything as high resolution as possible until it actually sometimes changes the film a little bit (laughs) just a little bit just a little bit a little bit that's funny a little bit that's funny yeah uh is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on no i think i think we've we've done it we've we've looked at one of the greatest films of all time but beyond that it's just one of my favorite films of all time and that's more important uh to me you and our conversation this this film means so much um and uh and this has been fun going through it and 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 really fun to sit down and watch it with a different eye it really was and i'm so excited to get into the other films uh mm-hmm. the temple of doom so complex and weird last crusade uh, in its relationship directly to this film uh, 
uh, so excited. So excited. Uh, one final thing that, that I did want to mention is a thing that really hit me this time with all these themes of uh, light and shadow and Indy's choices. I was really affected by the, the, the map room scene. I've always loved it. But the amount the, the this uh, action adventure movie slows down to really celebrate the the reverence. Uh, mm-hmm. This is an image of light, um, and it's it's thrilling. It's mm-hmm. solving a puzzle. It's scratching an itch. It's it's Indy getting what he truly wants, which is which is knowledge. But it slows down, and it takes time to show not just like the joy of of an itch scratched, but reverence mm-hmm. on Indy's face. Yes, and yes, I, yes. I think it's one of the ingredients. We talked about comedy, action, examination of of morality, charm, and all that. But the film slows down for pure yes. reverence a couple of times, and that map room scene is one of the things that I think really elevates the film. I, I you took the words out of my my fumbling brain. That the 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 fact that this fast paced movie that's a a lesson on how to tell story at this pace absolutely slows down it's a beautiful sequence uh and one that was always mesmerizing to me as a, as a kid and i think has more meaning now especially when you see you know uh the, the markings and everything the the, the 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 nazis not getting there they're so far off and everything you know all those kind of things uh to see it and, and to actually wait for the illumination it's wonderful yeah, a, a testament to uh, to knowledge as well. Mm-hmm. So great stuff there. We want to close, as always, with a fun question to wrap up. So, Ken, if you could be good with a whip or have a pet monkey that spied on people, which would you choose? I I, I do love uh, little monkeys. Some of my, you know, going through the primates at the zoo is one of my favorite adventures. But I I have a couple friends in my life who are great with whips. Uh, one of them's a, a stuntman. Um, I used to manage in pro wrestling. And it's the coolest thing ever. I just, <laughs> in my quest my whole life to finally one day be considered cool, I think a whip would help. <laughs> and he would go to the park. It's my friend Jay. He would go to the park and just practice by himself. And, and I, so I've seen some footage of it. And then like people would call the police on him. People didn't know what to do with it. It was just a man in the park with a whip. He was like, I'm just practicing. And he was so good with it. Uh, so I'd take the whip. Yeah. All right. Uh, you, you, <laughs> uh, throw me the will Throw me the whip. You say, yeah, the whip, the whip. Well, this is a perfect division because I'd take the monkey by a lot. Hey. It would make me feel cool uh, to be an absolute master with a whip. You know, if I could use it the way Indiana Jones does to, you know, get the remote from across the room and not have to get off the couch. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Feels so cool. Oh, but the, the monkey, my monkey wouldn't be a Nazi monkey. My <laughs> monkey would be a friendly monkey. And I, I just, I love how attuned the monkey is uh, with uh, the handler mm-hmm. and the way that they were able to communicate. This is the way I thought about using the, the monkey, Ken. We've, we've just been in this uh, position as we were at the hotel bars for the Star Wars Celebration mm-hmm. Convention, traveling other places where like by getting the drink at the bar, you are perhaps sacrificing the seat that is available mm-hmm. at the bar. And there's always that uh, tension of like, do, uh, do I, do, do we grab the seat or then go up to the bar? Do we try to, uh, I would always, anytime I walked into a crowded bar, I would simply go to the bar and send the monkey to save me a seat. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Major Amazing. life problem solved. Solved, solved by the monkey, but a whip could do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> True. Somebody else tries to take the seat while you're at the bar and whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> With the power of a jet engine. All right, Ken, do you want to take us home? 
Yes. Hey, for those listening on Patreon uh, right now, in the moment, leading up the Dial of Destiny, thank you so much for the support for making shows like this possible and for allowing us to take this indie-like adventure into unfamiliar territory for Force Center, where Star Wars podcast been a lot of fun talking about the things that mean just as much to us. And for those listening later, we're the Force Center Podcast feed. You can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube as well. And you can also get the podcast on a lot of different spots like Acast, iHeartRadio, and more. Merch available tpublic.com slash user slash force center and who knows maybe by this time we'll have some indiana jones related force center merch we can put out there as well <laughs> uh me in a park with a whip just a shot on a shirt uh you can support us uh, directly uh, and make shows like this possible there's other things we want to talk about too at patreon.com slash force center follow me at ken knapsack go to my website ken knapsack.com joseph where can they follow you they can find me, they, you, listening, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, can find me uh, on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Maybe I'll be on Spoutable soon. Who knows? Uh, but you can find me by looking for the username at Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, more uh, TikToks and uh, YouTube videos coming of uh, not unboxing. Uh, more comedy and short film coming to my uh, YouTube channel soon. And I hope to be not unboxing in Indiana Jones action figure soon. It's like no piece of plastic I've ever gone after before. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. You know what? This podcast is kind of like an artifact in an Indiana Jones movie. Right now, it has a lot of value. Value this podcast as it is. It's a Patreon only. But we're going we're gonna to release it a lot a lot later down the line publicly and maybe you will have more value and Belog will like it but hopefully and we'll be there to get it before he does that's it we'll see you next time here on Force Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.